I'm Craig Campbell from Nerdburger Games, and you are listening to Morris's unofficial Table Talk RPG Talk. This week, Morris and Peter are joined by Trooper SJP to talk about the statistics of RPG streaming on Twitch. In the news, Doctor Who is getting a 5th edition adaptation, Tabletop Games grow again on Kickstarter in 2021, WizKids releases another quote-unquote miniature, and more, plus our favorite game in all the world and a brand new sketch about the struggles of joining a Thieves Guild. This week on Morris's Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. The Imperial Opera House is this week's sponsor. Get yourself down there and listen to people warble and screech their way through obscure foreign languages, achieving notes never intended for human consumption. You are guaranteed not to understand a thing, but they do sell nice ice creams at the interval. Wait, what? They don't sell ice creams? What sort of outfit are they running there? All the tabletop role-playing news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG Hello, hello, hello and welcome to Morris's unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris or Morris, a.k.a. Russ And with me this week is Peace Coffee from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers Russ has ever, it is a total delight to be here Wow, you have a treat for me, Peter. You brought a guest. I do. I have the very best of treats. It is the person known as Trooper SJP, a Twitch streamer and RPG producer. All also the Morris. No, do oh, I get to be Morris as well? Because sure. We're all, we're all Morris. Morris too? <laughs> I mean, I just feel like it, it could be like one of those Spartacus moments where where we are all Morris. Hi, Morris. Wait, no. <laughs> oh, I'm so confused. That's, that's, that's now a new rule for the show. Anyone who comes on the show is Morris. But possibly, possibly we should discuss some sort of RPG news. What say? What yes, say? shall we do some oh. RPG news? I think that is an excellent idea. Yes. Fantastic idea. So, last week, yes. moments after we finished recording the show... A big news story dropped. Literally, honestly, we closed down the recording and I booted up, yeah. booted up, um, the, 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 what's that thing called? The internet. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's a series of tubes, I think. Those intertubes. Yeah. yeah. And, um, I saw a announcement from Cubicle 7. Oh, announcing that one. Yeah. Was that only last week? That was wow. literally, that was literally two seconds after we finished recording the show. Um, so they announced a new Doctor Who RPG. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they've been producing the official Doctor Who mm-hmm. RPG for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're on the second edition. And they're on they? the second edition mm-hmm. of yeah. it. But they've just announced a brand new one mm-hmm. called Doctors and Daleks. Nah. <laughs> and this is going to be powered by the fifth edition system. Mm-hmm. Kind of in the same way they did with One Ring. They released One Ring mm-hmm. and they also released um, Adventures uh, in Middle Earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which is arguably... A design classic. Yeah, I, I, I really, really enjoyed. I really, really enjoyed playing it. Yeah. yeah, now I'm thinking about it. Like the initiative system in Doctor Who is by far the yeah, finest. That's a, that is a yeah. fun, fun system to capture it. And yeah, like Adventures Middle Earth, the journey rules are just like the constant reference one, and were probably the state of the art before the level up team mm. designed their own. But mm. I would say, and people might dispute it. I'd be okay with that because they are very, very strong. 
Well, there was a bit of a hullabaloo online. There was. Okay, <laughs> you might say. Yeah. A hullabaloo, that is a nice way to put it. An, an yeah. entirely unreasonable one. And in mm. some cases, fairly toxic, I feel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some of the abuse directed at the Cubicle 7 designers. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I was... Like venomous stuff. It's like yeah, very yeah. rude. Yeah. yeah. So, and he, uh, so, one of the designers, he, he made a post, which is interesting because mm. it sort of touches on some of the things that I've been thinking about for quite a long time, uh, mm. where he, he says, you know, we're actually a very small company and real people mm. did this, right? Like, so mm. trying to remind you that there's like, there's like four or five people, if there's like a small team and they, mm. they this matters yeah. to them and they there were, did There this. were no faceless corporations yeah. in the tabletop role-playing game, which is no. rude. Yeah. It's, yeah. you know. And, yeah, and that's, I think, you know, and we'll get there in the second half, but I think that's one of the Ooh. big misunderstandings that people don't realize that even the biggest companies might only have seven employees, uh, mm. that there's, that there are, yeah. uh, th- this is a, a you know, an, an industry full of a lot of people who are not, who are part-time employees and mm. who are doing this because they love it. And, yeah. and it's easy to forget that we're talking about people, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, you have to remember there's someone on the other side of the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So just to recap what this backlash was. Yes. So essentially people were saying, and this mainly took place on Twitter, I think. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it particularly elsewhere, but it may have been I, elsewhere. I, but I, it I was thought, mainly I on Twitter. I don't know. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. People were saying that Doctor Who does not suit the fifth edition rule system mm-hmm. and saying that there is a much better, yeah, there are much better systems to use. And then they started listing systems. And what I found bizarre was they mm-hmm. never actually listed the actual Doctor <laughs> <laughs> Who yeah. RPG, which has been around for 10 years, yeah. published yeah. also by Cubicle 7. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And as, as someone, I, I, one of the designers, I think, mentioned, mm-hmm. um, like most of the people complaining about the fifth edition iteration of Doctor Who have shown no interest whatsoever in playing the original still published and that's not going away um system which has a custom system designed especially for it yeah Mm, mm, mm. and also of course i mean really if you don't like it don't play it yeah it's 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 one of those simple things like there 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 may be things that i don't like now although to be honest i'm the kind of person that if i think i might not like it i'm probably going to especially play it because i have to find out (laughs) because like what if i'm wrong and i will like it like i'm probably going to learn something by trying things i'm i don't know if I'd like or not. If I, the mm. more suspicious I'm of a system, the more likely I'm going to go and play it. Mm. Yeah, and I think usually you can find something positive in almost any game. Absolutely, you're going to learn something. One way or the yeah. other, you're going to learn something, and maybe something you didn't even expect. And I always think there's something there's some great value in that. Mm. And and I think also the fact that this new uh, D this new D and D right uh, Doctors mm. and Dialects is being done by the same team that mm. did that particular the. That Doctor Who, I had the old Doctor Who game from the 80s. That they, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I have that upstairs too, yeah. 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 Says that this is, these are people who really love love Doctor Who and love working on it and have mm. thought about it for well over a decade. Mm. And so I personally, when I heard that they were doing a, a, a 5e version, I thought, oh, well, that'll be interesting. I wonder what mm. they would do, right? Mm. How would they translate uh, a property that they have a lot of experience with and clearly a lot of care for mm. into 5e? What will that What will that look like? And for me, yeah. that was a bit of a mystery that I thought was very exciting. Like, what, mm. what does yeah. that look like? Yeah. Uh, the other way to look at this also, of course, is this is just an additional choice. It's an additional yeah. option. The old yeah. one isn't going anywhere. If you want yeah. to play the 
second edition of their original game, which has, <laughs> which is custom designed for mm-hmm. Doctor Who with mm-hmm. its, with its initiative system that, that was yeah. it, talkers go yeah. first, then, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember the order, but, things, but people who fight go last. Away, yeah. And people yeah. who fight go last. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that really captures the essence yeah. of watching episodes yeah. of Doctor Who. Yeah. 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 So you want to play that? You can, and it's a very, very well-supported game with dozens of yeah. source books out for it. Like and if you don't want to learn a new system, then you now have this new option. You can mm-hmm. use the 5e version. Yeah. I mean, also, as they did point out, I think, in at least one of the threads, which is when they were running conventions and so forth, people would come along, having played Adventures of Middle Earth, see the one ring, and mm. say, oh, what's that? And it's like, oh, mm. yeah, it's like this. Yeah. But it's like a custom system. They're like, oh, and then they'd pick it mm-hmm. up and buy it. So, mm-hmm. quite frankly, I, I I can definitely see where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. But we have to remember, we've got to put this into context. This is just like almost a week or two weeks after Dark Souls, a fifth edition. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is definitely a kind of vocal kind of, I guess, clash on, mm. on, on Twitter, especially mm. at the moment, about the sort of um, dominance of D&D in the marketplace. I, I mean, which- D&D has a monopoly. Like, well, I don't have a monopoly. That, but, they, um, they have, they, no, no, they have a monopoly in that they have over 25% of the share. That is what a monopoly is. Is it? Yes. Well, I've just learned something new. I know, right? Well, they have a lot more say, than 25% of the yeah, share. Yeah, a lot more, I mean, yeah. yeah. At, at least 25%. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying you can be as low as 25%, yeah. and this is still considered a monopoly. Huh. Well, that's a, that's a new thing. I did not know but, that. But, but yes. and this is, not, this, is not a, this is not a refutation we're saying, because that is, that is no, true. Sorry. But... That has always been the case. Mm-hmm. D&D has always been number one, with the exception of uh, one or two years during um, mm. fourth edition when they pulled when they pulled their product mostly from the from the shelves. Yeah, and, pa- and Pathfinder. Yeah. yeah, and Pathfinder mm. took over. But Pathfinder didn't take mm. over because they beat D&D. D&D was like basically pulling back, right, for, mm. like, for like about mm. a year or so. I've not been able – somebody said to me that they thought that mm. where that Vampire – beat D&D for like one or two years, but I'm not actually quite certain that's true. In the 90s, I I kind of feel that was true, but that's kind of anecdotal just yeah. from what yeah. I recall what people yeah. were playing Vampire at the was time. Very, very it, was, it was very oh. popular. Did it beat D&D? Mm. I don't know. And I, uh, again, well, that I could have been at the end of the TSR time when yes. again yes. D&D yes. was on its way yeah. out. So, yeah. mm-hmm. But even when it's low, I mean, let's mm. just know, when when Pathfinder beat D&D, Pathfinder is also still D&D, right? Like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's D&D, it's the OGL, right? So there's a way in which, um, and like the gap, the number, the gap between number one and number two is not a small number, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, D&D. Yeah, we know. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it has always been that way, you know? And yeah. it's, uh, it just kind of is what it is. And, yeah. you know, uh, I'm not. We'll it's talk about that in the second half. We'll yeah. talk about it in yeah. the second half. Yeah. It's always, it sort of reminds me of artists mm-hmm. because I, I remember back in the 80s, there was a lot of very angry artists who were very insistent that people just didn't understand their art. Mm. And like maybe it took a bit of things and people didn't buy their art because mm-hmm. they didn't understand it. And also, I think maybe because they didn't like it. Well, that was well there's the problem. thing, isn't it? I yeah. mean, I mean, th- mm. there, I feel like there's a lot of really sort of things that people are not getting. One is that D and D is, of course, a, a, an order of magnitude bigger than all the other RPGs. Mm. But RPGs are such a small market, mm. uh, so there's a way in which a D and D is dominant and huge. Yeah. But the the RPG market something like what eighty million dollars, and like we're looking at a uh, yeah. the, the hobby game industry is two 
two million, right? Yeah, so I've got some actual figures on this actually. Let me uh, find them. Yeah. But it's quite minuscule, is what I'm trying to yeah. say. Yeah. I, yeah. I, as part of the total hobby games market, yeah, RPGs yeah. are pretty small. Certainly, I think it was like seven hundred and uh, so yeah, three million profit. Yeah. Well, yeah, 105 so. million is, according to ICV2, the size of the North American RPG market yeah. as of 2020. Right. Yes. Yeah. So we're talking, and, and I think the whole hobby game industry is like two, two, uh, two billion? Two billion is about right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah about yeah. two billion. And of course, that's magic and all, yeah, all yeah, this yeah. cards and all that stuff, right? Warhammer yeah. and, you know, stuff like that. I feel like people need to know. That that D and D is simultaneously huge but also mm. tiny, right? Like mm. Wizards of the Coast doesn't make its money off of D and D. I mean, it, no. you know, uh, Hasbro doesn't. You know, it's it's about a lot of other things. And so, mm. having to recognize that that D and D is massive but also tiny at the same mm. time is sometimes hard for people to uh, wrap their mind around, right? Yeah. Yes. Perhaps, so just perhaps we should save this for a little yes, bit later. Yes, of course. Class. Yes. So I just wanted to carry uh, on with that news story that we yes. got. We were, we kind of drifted away from. Yes, yes. Um, so there was bollocks. there was another kind of uh, side to it where yes. people were saying that D and D is ninety percent combat. Hmm. So much, so many people were saying mm-hmm. this that uh, Ray Winninger, who's the head of D and D over at Wizards, mm-hmm. tweeted. With a little bit of snark, I've got to say. <laughs> he tweeted, I woke up this morning to Twitter assuring me that D&D is 90% combat. I must be playing and designing it wrong. <laughs> okay. Uh, wow. And then Dan Dillon, who also works there, said, uh, so guess we're going to recall all those Wild Beyond the Witchlight books and rework them into combat slogs, yeah, since we did it wrong. So I think, you know, maybe they're being a little sarky there. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a good question. I mean, is D&D 90% combat? I mean, do you feel it is? Well, there is a good argument. Yeah. It's not I'll, I'll, wrong. The- yeah, I'll use the German Jein, which is Ja und Nein. It's, a, it's like, you know. <laughs> oh, nice, yeah. nice, nice. Yeah. The, the, a lot of the focus of the rule book yes. is yeah. on combat. Mm. Yeah. But how you I play it. See, yeah. But how you play it, uh, I mean, where you need support, mm-hmm. I would argue that my personal experience is I don't need any help to run a conversation. Even mm. quite tough ones. I've had tough conversations mm. in real life. You know what? I've never been in a fight with a dragon. I've never <laughs> cast fireball. I know, I know. Life not lived. First of all, I don't know if that's true. I, I, I feel like you might have cast fireball, but you know what? You know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I think it's, I mean, I think philosophically it's tricky, right? Because mm. in D&D, you cannot play a class who's not good at combat. Every mm. single class does have combat capability. Mm-hmm. So you cannot play a non-combat character, right? I mean, yeah. you can you can try really hard. Uh, yeah. You could maybe take like a, maybe you could take a rogue. Like you could maybe take a class and you'd have to work at it. Um, yeah. But all the classes are combat capable. Yeah. Every single one of them, which mm-hmm. is also one of the reasons why I think D&D is successful. Not because people care about combat, but because you can make modules and adventures mm-hmm. because you know at least it's the same thing that it's what, I mean, mm-hmm. one of the next most popular games is Call of Cthulhu. And you know that all mm-hmm. the characters are going to be investigative capable, right? So you can yeah. you can make an adventure assuming that they can investigate and you'll probably yes. be fine, right? There's yeah. a way in which you can sort of do that for both of those two systems. And I think that... I do think that D&D does focus on combat mechanically. Yes. In that you cannot make a non-combat character. I think that it doesn't necessarily, historically, I don't think it has supported other things as well. 
Mm-hmm. Especially if you go back to the Expiration. other days. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> now, the, the argument is always, the argument yeah. is always, well, but you don't need those, you don't need rules for those things. And I said, well, mm. the problem is there are people who may want to be good talkers who are not good talkers in real life. Mm. And if you have no rules for talking, yes. then what ends up happening is that people who are good in real life at talking will be good in the game at talking. And people who are mm. not good at talking in real life will not be good at talking. Yeah. And there's yeah. no way to sort of, you can't be an awkward person with no people skills and then play somebody who's a good talker and be able to roll for it and have it happen. Mm-hmm. And I also think, and this is not necessarily D&D's fault, it's also like, I think, um, inertia, right? If you go back to mm-hmm. first edition, you only got experience points for killing things or yes. treasure, which mm-hmm. you usually got by killing things. If you talk to a thing, you wouldn't get XP for it. Right, and right. they did change that in third edition, but I remember playing with groups who did not internalize that change, right? Mm. Who, if you, if you <laughs> talked your way around an encounter, they were like, oh no, we didn't get the XP. So I think there's a, a kind of a, mm. sometimes there's like a, a momentum. So people sort of still imagine D&D in this older way. And I think D&D has changed quite a lot. I mean, it's actually yeah. uh, really amazing how different each edition has been. But I think the kind of imagination of D&D and that sort of inertia that is not necessarily reflected in the rules anymore because the rules have changed mm-hmm. a lot. There's a mm-hmm. lot more uh, backstory elements that are tied into the rules mechanically and sort of made meaningful in yeah. terms of your background. There are a lot of things that give you a lot more space to do things in D&D. But D&D is a game where everybody's going to be combat capable, which does not mean that you cannot play games that have intrigue, that have other things and because people do all the time right they do Mm, it all the time it's just i suppose the question is how much work do you have to do as a gm Mm. Um, how much do you have to retrain your players right Mm. and and Mm. i mean it's doable it's it's and people do it all the time but you know yeah i again i there's so much i would love to talk about this but i feel perhaps we should move on to the the news Yes. Okay. So I've got a couple of news items on the size, well, sort of uh, industry, sort of growth type things. So we've got uh, one which is about the uh, performance of tabletop games on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So ICO Partners released a graph which indicates that in 2021, tabletop game category on Kickstarter grew by 13%. Mm-hmm. Up to $272 million. Nice. Ooh. I mean, that includes board games and card games and, yeah, there's tabletop. Okay. It's not oh. RPGs, but, um, okay. hmm. what's interesting though is it has actually slowed down since the year before. Hmm. Oh. Because okay. it had a 33% growth the year before. Oh. Wow. So it's still growing, but it's not growing yeah. quite as fast as it was. It's going to merely extraordinary as opposed to unbelievably quickly. Yeah. 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 Well, there's a. Uh, 33% there's- is Massive for an industry it's growth. It's huge. Yeah. 20% well, is also very, 13% is still very, very large. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, sorry. So there's also GameFound, which is a new tabletop specific crowdfunding platform. And that Ooh. got a big investment from um, a board game company whose name uh, slips to mind. Yes. We mentioned it last week. Uh, was it Raven it something? Wonder, was Raven, it? Raven something. Ravensburger. Ravensburger Ravens, games. Ravensburger? Yes. Okay. Mm. Yes. They were sufficiently big that I'd heard of them. A huge they got a multi-million dollar investment from them. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. I wonder if the number of, I mean, when we talk about the, the, the growth being smaller, a question I would ask is, are there the same number of things being kickstarted and there's just fewer people investing or are there fewer things being kickstarted and i ask this specifically because i know that Mm. a lot of people got really really slammed by the ways in which the pandemic has impacted shipping costs 
oh, and yeah, yeah. also production costs. I mean, mm. I, some some of the uh, what do you call them? The containers, their costs have gone up like you know two hundred percent. And so people yeah, yeah. kickstarted something with thinking that they were going to get, they would be paying one amount for all their shipping and production, mm. and then all of a sudden it costs two or three or four times more than they expected. Right. And so some people have made losses and trying to find ways to sort of make that up. And I wonder if people are. Is this that people are investing less or is it that some people are a bit more Kickstarter shy while we're in a, such an unstable space? I don't yeah. know the answer. I don't know the answer to that either. Did they, they actually go ahead with that? They reduced the number of uh, projects you could have on the go before you delivered? Uh, uh, yes. Yeah. So yeah. You, you were immune because you had like done 30 yeah, projects. Yeah, so they, they categorize you as either, uh, I can't remember the exact word they used, but yeah. kind of like an experienced crowdfunder or a, not, mm-hmm. or a new crowdfunder. And I think you had to have three, maybe three projects under your belt yeah, before yeah. they, you could I, I can't remember exactly. One yeah. And then game, if, yeah. Uh, depending on whether you were, which category you were in, they would allow you to have a certain number of unfulfilled projects yeah. waiting while you launch a new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see that definitely slowing yeah. down newer creators and also yeah. existing ones. Plus, of yeah. course, the global ship apocalypse has you. Well, there were over yeah. 3,500 tabletop Gaming products in 2021, though. Just a lot. Wow. A lot. Wow. Wow. Do, do you know what there was in the year before? Yeah. Do you know? I am looking. I do not know. I know it was $241 million as opposed to 272 but I haven't got That's the solid. number. No, no. <laughs> Interesting, the growth rate. So looking at this, the second wow. half of that year was slower than the first half. Hmm. So it was 13% overall. Yes. Hmm. But the first half of the year was 22%. Mm-hmm. Well, the second mm-hmm. half, which is second half of last year, no. I was at significantly less than 13%. I haven't got that number, but I've got that it's significantly less than 13%. So something no. about the second half of last mm-hmm. year. Well, like um, there'd be more opening up, and that was, I believe, I could be wrong, that cardboard prices just shot up through the roof because yeah. people were starting to make stuff again. It could be that sort of thing, so, yeah. like price of raw materials and yeah. just like things like, Oh, well, the factory's open back up, but our quote to print yeah. all your cardboard sheets. Yeah. yeah, sorry, that's not happening. It's like doubled in price. Yeah. What, it, what it also might be is that it yeah. did experience quite a sort of pandemic fueled boom mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. earlier Both, in the yeah. year. And mm-hmm. perhaps as people started returning to work and started, yeah, you know, gaming, gaming a little less. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's why that wasn't yeah. going quite as fast. I, I couldn't tell you that's. I mean, we're we'll, speculating. We'll, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out probably yeah. as people do research and we'll find out about it in a couple of years, eh? Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. But the other, the other thing was that uh, Roll20 made an announcement about their growth. Mm-hmm. And their user base has now hit 10 million people. Yeah. Yeah. And nice. it took them, it took them like five years to hit 1 million. And then all of a sudden right. they just went, you know, it was like, yeah. Yes, yeah. But yeah. it's doubled in the last two years. Yeah. So it was yeah. 5 million wow. in yeah. March 2020. Yeah, and now it's now it's ten million as of now, which is that's a lot of people. That's yes. a lot of people. Yeah, I mean I'm one of them because like, yeah. I also am I. So am I, I yeah. had an account, but I didn't use it because mm. I just did like it. And then over the past couple of years, it's like, oh well, I guess this is what I'm doing with my life now. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, yeah. it's yeah. Uh, it's been good. It's been good. Yeah, what is um again pandemic fueled boost i think over the last couple of years yeah. and lots mm-hmm. and lots of people are playing online mm-hmm. um they didn't really say how they measure that 10 million i don't think it's 10 million active players i think it's 10 million people who have ever used it 
we don't, we don't which, know. Which is still so, a massive number, yeah. but it's, uh, to put it in perspective, it's not 10 million people are using Roll20 every no. week or anything like that. Uh, they, they, they have reduced the amount of information they put out. Mm. So what the actual situation is, is hard to say. Yeah, yeah. But used to, yeah, but used to give you solid figures, and now mm. it's just percentages mainly, isn't it? Mm. Which is harder to, harder to get information from. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's quite interesting also, like, Nolan T. Jones, who's the co-founder of Roll20 and yeah. the CEO. Oh, we had him on the podcast last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's stepping yeah. down from his yeah. role oh, after yeah. five years. Wow, yeah. okay. Um, I think he's going to go and do film. I think you, is I think something about that? Wow. Yeah. Because I believe, I believe that he actually is a, was a film major, right? And I think mm. it was one of those things where uh, I think about I, – I always think about the humanity of things, right? So, yeah. so here's a person, right? I mean, I don't mm. know him. I've never met him. But mm. who was a film major in college as far as I know. Mm. And he and some friends put this thing together because they wanted to do this thing. And all of a sudden, it became – Roll twenty, and yes. I don't know if he was, if he wanted to be the CEO of a massive, massive company, or if he wanted, to, you know what I mean, to do film. Like I think about the ways in which you start something, and you may not, you may not have intended to do the thing that it ended up yeah. being. Right? Uh, so yeah, right. Success can be uh, as difficult as failure in some ways, right? So uh, that kind of tracks with what he was saying. Yeah, when yeah, he was on the show, yeah, so. like it was very much depression. Like it was like he wasn't ungrateful, but there was also yeah. a sort of. Like not okay. Now I'm the CEO of a of a successful company. What do I do? Yeah, I yeah. guess. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. but well, he did he did say in his it's not a resignation letter. It's just you know his no. announcement that he oh, was no. stepping yeah. down. The um the plan had always been he'd do it for five years and get yeah. it to the point where he could carry on without him. But that's not what he wanted yeah. his life's work to be. Yeah. yeah so yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, good for him. You know yeah. what I mean? Like kudos. Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, the replacement is Ankit Lau. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, is the new Sounds CEO? Like an Indian name? Um, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I don't know much about this person, but uh, there's a, a, a brief kind of introduction on the Roll20 website saying, Hi, I'm Ankit Lau, the new CEO of Roll20, dad, husband, professor, and runner. In my day job, I focus on product management, which makes me think this isn't going to be Ankit's day job. I'm not sure how yeah. that. I don't know whether being CEO of Roll20 is a full-time job or not. I would have thought it would be, but I guess not. It, I, I, I don't know, really. Um, we'll have to wait and see. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, you yeah. know, all the best of them. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Yeah. I, you know, I just have to say, I can't imagine how much work it is to scale up from five to 10 million, right? Yeah. In a year's time. Like to yeah. think about, especially since they just weren't that big four years ago, right? And that like, kind of architecture is quite old as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, mm. You know, unlike Foundry or something like that, that's much newer and has a much kind of, I yeah. guess, slicker yeah. kind of behind the scenes architecture. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, I think you were saying about how Roll20 has kind of cobbled together mm. over the years. <laughs> Well, that, that's what happens when you go first, eh? Yeah. yeah. And then and moving course, on to an entirely new platform is mm, a jump that yeah. they haven't taken yeah. and is problematic in its own way. Because people don't want the service to go down. Could yeah. you imagine? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how do you how do you upgrade and fix it when people don't want you to go down at all? Because mm. they've got they've got like we're going to go down for a week. People would lose their minds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. They, they've got games to do and and and, and oh, it's know, not just right. hobbyists now, but like you've got major you know, streaming studios and whatnot using Roll20 mm. for their... I can imagine there's, they're under a lot of pressure is what I imagine. Mm. I would have thought, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be a huge job. Lots of planning, yeah. Yeah. redundancy, oh, like, and yeah. even then, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, good luck to them. Yeah, I mean, uh, they have my my empathy, right? Because yes. I imagine that's not that it's not easy. Mm. No, no, yeah, better them than me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was news for us. Uh, there is much more in the news, yes. So we have got a new Forgotten Realms source book from Ed mm. Greenwood, creator of the Forgotten Realms, along with Alex Kammer and Alan Patrick. Mm-hmm. And this covers the land of the Red Wizards. Mm. Oh, Faye. Faye, yes. yes. Yeah, so this is on the Gems Guild in PDF or hardcover. Yeah. Now, um, important question. Yes. Does the cover make it all look like they are Ming the Merciless knockoffs? No. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> who's putting it out? Um, so this is Ed Greenwood, who created yeah. Forgotten Realms. Yeah. Uh, Alex Kammer, who runs which convention does he run? One of one of the North American game conventions. But is it is it uh, what's the publisher? It's uh, coming on DM's, this Guild. on DM's Guild. Yeah, yeah. But oh, it's okay. not a TSR. No, no. Mm-hmm. no. Interesting. Well, like. Well, you know what I mean. I'm sorry, wizards. You yeah, know, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, I'm just translating. Old, <laughs> no, no, not, I, I, not, not the current TSR, not them, whichever that is. I, I'm talking about TSR. Wizards of the Coast no, has no, filed no, has so filed a trademark application oh. for the logo. All right, let's see. I'm willing to say on it, but okay, <laughs> they have filed a trademark application for TSR <laughs> in the last week. But, oh really? Oh, that's more news. Wrong yeah, news, people. Yeah, but we won't talk about that because every time we talk about that, we end up down this horrible, horrible rabbit hole and. We don't really want to oh, give give that yeah. any more spotlight yeah. than uh, it is. Shall, shall we move on? Yeah, yeah. so Land of the Red Wizards. Hey, Land yes, of the Red yes. So, Forgotten Realms Supplement by Forgotten Realms creator Ed Greenwood plus Alex Kammer and Alan Patrick. 108-page book, PDF or hardcover on the DMs Guild. Mm. I haven't looked at it myself, but I'm just looking at the cover art and a couple of previews of art inside. It, the, the art looks gorgeous. Mm. Oh, what's going on there? Okay. So, but what I do find oh. interesting looking at that Hardcover, if you get the hardcover, you don't get the PDF for free. You've still got to pay oh. an extra $10 for the PDF, huh. which is unusual these days. That is wild. Yeah. Do we have any idea what's in it? This tome is your guide to the land of Thay right now, a valuable resource for dungeon masters and players alike. It sets forth what the people and places of the land of the Red Wizards what life is like, seeds, hints, and secrets, sufficient to display adventures for years. It doesn't actually say mechanically, so it doesn't sort of say it's mm. got this number of subclasses and this number of feet oh, or anything okay. like that. But I wonder how crunchy the book is going to be. Uh, it's not long. It's 108 pages. Let's look at the preview. Like, see if that's got a table of contents. Oh, the preview doesn't work. Okay, excellent. Oh. Right. Table of contents. Nope. I haven't got a table of contents. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Oh, was that 108 pages? 108 pages, yeah. I mean, I basically okay. wonder if it's, if it's mostly setting or, right, I wonder how system agnostic it is. I wonder how edition mm. agnostic it is. I wonder how, I you, like, is this a thing that you could use in fourth edition? Is it a thing you could use wow. in Pathfinder? Like, I just, I'm I just, yeah. I'm, in, I'm interested. How, yeah, I, I would be quite interested to see how portable it is. The reviews yeah. are kind of, like, Positive, but vague. Yeah. But then again, <laughs> know, there's, there's, like there's comments there are also people wanting to see a table of contents. Yeah, it would be good to mm-hmm. see a table of contents just to get oh, yeah. a sense of what's in there. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's by Ed Greenwood and Forgotten Realms was created mm-hmm. by Ed Greenwood. So yeah. that lends it uh, an authenticity that yeah. interests yeah. me. I, I'm, cer- I'm certainly intrigued. I haven't seen anything that makes me excited enough to say, yes, I'll grab it. Mm. And I am probably... Oh, in the Forgotten Realms, I'd probably find the Red Wizards of Thay the most interesting part. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And not by a little bit either. It's like, they stick out to me. One, because it's an excellent name. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
It's like, it's evocative and it says exactly what it is. Like, they're wizards, they're, they wear red, they're from Fae. But it's red also mysterious. Just, yeah. You're like, <laughs> what know, does that right? mean? It's both very uh, clear, but yeah. also mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> precisely, precisely. Yeah. 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 I mean, when you, when you say the red wizards of Fae, the first three questions that spring to mind are already answered in the title. Exactly. What are they? They're wizards. Where are they from? They're from Faye. What's their favourite colour? Red. You know. <laughs> the key the key the key questions that everyone Three key questions you always ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know I know exactly what I do. <laughs> Talking of red things. Yes. Look at that. What a segue this is. Talking of Seamless. red things. Seamless. How would you like a red dragon miniature? A miniature really is the wrong word here because it's got a wingspan of two feet. Oh. This thing is not small. Oh. I'm sorry. I thought you said it had a. I thought you said it was a miniature and it also had a wingspan of uh, yeah. two feet. Yeah. Wouldn't that be like a maxature? Is that, is that a word? That's <laughs> by 60, 67 centimetres. It's big, it's big, yeah. So it's 18 inches tall, crime. wingspan of two feet across. Um, this is a red dragon, ancient red dragon, Belagos, Belagos, Balagos, the red dragon. <laughs> Random fantasy name. From we the get big. You can call yourself what you like. <laughs> yeah. okay. Do you have to paint it? Like, how much paint would that be? I don't like, think do you just oh, wow. all so. The paint? No, this is one of those whiskey's whiskey's plastic pre-painted oh. things. I think. Oh, okay. Although the the wings and the tail are detachable, and you have to attach them. Well, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, that yeah. sets some big problems for your shipping <laughs> well, container. Make a guess. How much? How much does this thing cost? Oh, four dollars. Uh. Four dollars, yeah. Ten, ten quid. Not hundreds. Free, free four hundred dollars. Four hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. yeah, that's big. That is, that that is, is a big, big. boy. Yeah, Ooh. that's big in size and price. Four hundred dollars. Yeah. But but think of the terror when you play this. When go, you put when you put that down bam! and then your table collapses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, wow. <laughs> I'm just trying to like look. I'm trying to imagine the 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 little miniatures, the little like um, the regular little miniatures of little people out yeah, there, maybe a little halfling mm. in there, perhaps. And then the the GM just is like here, whoof, and I'm like, okay, well, that's not even what what size is that? Yes, like, yeah. do, do I get a bonus to hit? Because it's just like, <laughs> how can I miss big? that? <laughs> <laughs> well, like on that sort of scale, uh, twenty mils about an inch. So it's yeah. about what twenty four figures mm-hmm. height in, wi- in mm. wingspan. That seems large to mm. me. Let's see if your average person. Okay, I'm just getting. I'm gonna. I'm just thinking about it. If your average person's let's say six foot, because they're heroes, right? Okay, so right, yeah. yeah, even the halflings, they're all six foot too. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> we'll say yeah. We'll say round up to six. Wow. Well, yeah. Yeah, f- five or six. Right? Let's say five. Yeah. Since math is easier, so then that puts yeah. us at what a uh, hundred and twenty feet which is like what a 12-story skyscraper something like that yes okay wow you know that that's that's well, big what's like, considered it's, size I, isn't I, it I, I, it's like you, you, you whack that into the middle of a football pitch then yeah you're gonna you're gonna have to full play to a halt until you move the dragon off the field yeah <laughs> at this point <laughs> like that like We've got, we've got to talk, come, shoo, shoo, you get the people with the brooms out to give it a post, like, get out of it. I feel like if the dragon shows up in the middle of the football pitch, 
I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to be the goalie for this. I, I'm just, <laughs> you win. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. No we'll argument. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So we've got some good news right. from friend of the show, Chris Spivey, the person who's been on this show oh, more times than yes. anyone else, including us, I think. Uh, sure. Well, it's been on uh, like four but, or five times, I think, hasn't I, it? I've been on it a few times. Five times. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so what's the good news? Well, he's, he's had loads of good news. What's the good news you're thinking? Uh, the good news I'm thinking of is Haunted mm. West, mm-hmm. yeah. which was originally Ooh. going to be published by Chaosium, I believe. Well, it, then- is, uh, it, it was published by. It's published by him. Like the first, yes. the first printing is is by mm-hmm. is oh, from his studio. Yeah. His yeah. studios. Um, yeah. What was the Chaosium involvement, though? At some point, there was a Chaosium involvement, wasn't it? Uh, so, his, uh, Harlem and Bound was done by his studio, yeah. Darker Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then it was, and then the second printing went through Chaosium. Right, right. That was it. Yeah. And so, I think it'll, it seems like this will be the same for Haunted West, where the first printing mm. out of the Kickstarter is through mm. his studio, mm. and then the second printing will come through Art House oh, okay. uh, So, in this case, it's going to be Art House Orion, yeah, That's rather right, yeah. than Chaosium. Right. So, I mean, we've covered Haunted West before on the show with him. Yeah. But, um, yes. uh, so this is kind of like America, post-Civil War, mm-hmm. and it's kind of unheard voices in the American West. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Crossed with, um, I guess, Cthulhu-ish and, type yeah, stuff, is it? Spooky mythos monsters. I'd say more spooky brain. than, I, th- I think the, because I'm, I'm actually uh, GMing it over on Roll20 right oh. now. Mm. Yes. You know it better than us then. So. Yeah, I'm streaming it. I'm streaming right, it at right. the moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would say it's, there is a chapter that I think was a Kickstarter uh, stretch goal that mm-hmm. lets you bring the mythos into the setting. Mm-hmm. But I would say at its base, I would not think, I don't think of it as a cosmic horror setting right, or right. a Cthulian mm-hmm. setting. They, a lot of the creatures are very much grounded in uh, folklore mythology, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. You've got various sort of, there are, you know, a lot of uh, people's cultures have various vampiric creatures. They may not yeah. exactly be vampires, but, you know, people's like life essence get just taken from them quite a lot by, mm. by people mm. from all over the place. So it's a lot of, there's a lot mm. of, uh, like there are uh, African and also mm. indigenous and Asian, like a lot of really different kinds of um, mythological creatures, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then also some that are from classic kind of pulp Western, uh, weird Ooh. Western things. Mm, yeah. Uh, so you've got like, um, Wendigos, you know, like, Chupacabras, that sort of jazz. Yes, absolutely. And then like the, you oh. know, the ghost riders oh. or like the, you know, so like oh, kind of very cool. Horseman sort of guy. Yeah. Those thing? kinds of things. Okay. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's 800 pages to call a book. Yes, it is. That's a big, big wow. book. I mean, you could, you could, you could build a house out of that book. Oh, here we are. We have the actual book, do we? Yeah, we have the actual book. Sorry. One hand is not as easy. Because it is like, this is a... Yeah. That's a massive time. Are you very small? Is that book really massive? It is really massive. And it's interesting because, you know, there are different ways to do alternate history, right? And I think about something like Castle Falkenstein, right? which mm. is very alternate history in the sense yeah. that it's, it's like a very fantastical yeah. Europa. Right. Mm. Um, mm. And I, I know I do a lot of historical, so I see where you go. And this one here is very historically. I mean, basically the, the, I think the, I would say mm. the impetus is he said, okay, there was this uh, assassination attempt on Lincoln, mm. but it was actually an assassination attempt against three different people. Like it was actually a, a good attempt. Oh yeah. Yeah. They don't, I suppose they don't teach you that. Uh, in me they included. They don't teach that, us anything about Lincoln. 
Yeah, we, no, there was like there was actually th- yeah, nothing at all. <laughs> three assassins, yeah. right? There were three assassins. They mm-hmm. were trying to assassinate Lincoln, his vice president Johnson, and like the Secretary of State, perhaps. And wow. what happened in real life was that Lincoln got assassinated. Mm. The Secretary of State was hit but didn't die, mm. and the fellow mm. that was supposed to kill Johnson got drunk in a bar instead and couldn't go through with it. And Chris Spivey said, okay, what happens if they did kill Johnson? Mm. Because Johnson was a, was not particularly in favor of supporting the reconstruction. So he was, he was kind of a mm. conservative in certain ways. And so the idea is, okay, so if he also died, that would mean the next person who would come up historically would have been this guy, Benjamin Wade, who was what was called a radical Republican who believed in like universal suffrage for mm. everyone, wow. like wow. in the 1860s. And right, so what right. happens if, if he were the president? So it's just basically taking a thing that, that could have happened, making that happen. So then you get these like reverberations and I feel like it's mm. very much, the reverberations are pretty big, but it feels very grounded. Right, it, it right, feels very right. grounded. It's a really solid alternate history timeline. Yeah. yeah. So more news, more news. <laughs> yes. The Dragon Prince RPG, Tales of Zadia. Ah, oh, fantastic! Mm. Yes. And What's it's happening with that? Launching next month. Oh. Oh. So it was oh. announced in July 2020. Yes. Uh, it mm. did a big public playtest in February 21, I think, last year. Okay. Around okay. about then, um, and it's now launching next month in March. So this is um, produced by Fandom, yes. Which um, obviously owns all the, of the wiki stuff. Also owns D and D Beyond, and also now owns the Cortex Prime system, which is now uh, yes. Cam Banks's Cortex Prime system, which is now oh. their in-house system. They acquired that a year or two back. Ah, and that's are they going to come out with a new? Are they are they coming out with a? Are like are they updating it? Are they changing it? Are they coming out with a new sort of like core generic? So Cortex Prime, I think, is the latest iteration of the Cortex. Cortex. Cortex mm-hmm. I, I think I'm not. Su- I am not super familiar with the system, to be fair. But um, okay. I think this is the latest iteration. Buffy, Angel, yeah. Firefly, a bunch yeah. of those were, were in Small Cortex. Bill, yeah, I think. Yeah, probably. One yeah, I'm pretty sure that that yeah. was older iterations of the system. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this is uh, Tales of Zadia, the Dragon Prince RPG, which is coming out. It's going to be accompanied by a digital, digital tool set, which given that they own mm-hmm. D&D Beyond, they know how to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's their, nice. their area of expertise. And uh, are you guys familiar with the Netflix show? Because I'm personally yeah, not. Yeah, no. I really like it. Okay, so for those... Um, uh, is it good? Yeah, I, I, I really quite recommend it. It's done by the same people that did Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, okay. Which, oh, well, which improved a lot after the first episode, right? Yes, I lasted about half of one episode with that. Realised I wasn't eight years old and stopped. Just not in touch with your inner child. That's right. You're going to get in touch with your inner child. Yeah, right. uh, yeah but um, for those who followed the, what's it, the four seasons of the original mm-hmm. Avatar The Last Airbender and the, what's it, three seasons of Korra, of Korra then the Dragon Prince stuff was very exciting. A lot of people didn't like the animation style. Uh, hmm. I don't know why, but that is the thing that I saw. Hmm. I'm like, well, this this RPG is apparently set between the third and fourth seasons of the show. Hmm. Ooh. Okay. So that's exciting. That doesn't mean anything to me. As far as I'm aware, they've only they've only got to season three of the Dragon Prince. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh. So. Yeah, but yeah. Season four is coming apparently. Well, hot dog. Yeah. So what is just very, very quickly? What is the basic conceit here? What is the Dragon Prince. Um, so you had elves, humans came along and messed up stuff with magic because they were able to draw magic 
from living things to do stuff. Right. Mm. Which is very bad for the magic. Seems rude, mm. yeah. I, I know, bloody humans getting everywhere, causing yeah, problems. Yeah. There is a big volcanic chasm that runs through the land. Mm. And on one side, you have elves and magic and stuff. On the other hand, you have humans just getting along doing human things. You know, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but essentially the dragon prince is an egg that they have acquired for reasons. And it goes along with them on adventures. Like it, it, it is set up, but like it is quite cool how they do it. So I don't want to talk too much about it. But yeah, I mean, it's called the Dragon Prince. A dragon's egg features prominently in the first couple of episodes. See. I don't think it's a big spoiler to say that you know, do the battle on that is pretty easy to do. So it's not it's not metaphorical. This Dragon Prince. It's not like a metaphorical title. We're talking about an actual dragon egg. Yes, and so it becomes nice. an actual dragon because it hatches eventually. And that is also quite fun. I see. There's a lot of stuff. I think probably the most fun thing about it is the elves are very Scottish. Really? Yes, yes, they have the most adorable Scottish accents. Um, <laughs> it sort of reminds me of well, makes a change. It makes a change from dwarves being Scottish, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? I, I don't think we've got dwarves. Like, you know, a clear, clear example of dwarf Eurasia. Mm. Anyway, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, the, 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 the elves are Scottish and they have firm views on people and how they are idiots. I, I, I'm here for that. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's right. You tell him he's an idiot. Well, he's being an idiot. <laughs> well, that's coming out next month. So you can uh, yeah. you, you can pick that up and play Scottish elves as much yes. as you like. Are we in a danger of finishing the new segment, Russ? Uh, we're about to finish the new segment. Nice. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So I have two bits of news myself that I wanted to quickly drop in. Ah. Uh, it's your you birthday! Happy uh, birthday! Yes, it's my birthday. Buy me presents. No, sadly, it is not my birthday. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but well, what's the actual news then? Some actual news. Oh, so, uh, last calls for Judge Dredd, Rogue Trooper, and Strontian Dog. So, oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Our license ends on Tuesday. Yes. So, no, is Tuesday the first or is Monday the first? But let me just have a trip. Well, Tuesday the first. Right. So, ends yeah. on Monday then. Ends on Monday. So, Monday is right. going to be the last day you can ever, ever buy. Any Just Dread and the Wars of 2000 AD products. Yes. Oh. They will be gone after that forever. Using, using what's old is new. Yes. System. Yeah. So, so that, that, ends, that, that means you can only get it like on eBay for a thousand billion dollars. A thousand so billion. You want to get it. At least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At least a thousand billion dollars. I mean, like some retailers yeah. might have some stock left over, but other than that, that's yeah. it. That is basically yeah. it. Uh, and the other bit of news is for the awfully cheerful engine. Oh, okay. um, a mm-hmm. new issue just came out. It's called Domes of Thunder. Amazing. <laughs> and the tagline is, we may need another hero. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like since it's Domes of Thunder, that means Blaster Master runs <laughs> Basically, the town yeah. of Barton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is Tina Turner uh, frightening? Well, let's just... Let's let you know how it's that. Let's just say there is some post-apocalyptic mayhem. No. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So this is issue yeah. number seven of the Awfully Cheerful Engine because we mentioned Orcs and Oubliettes number six a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. there's, there's four oh. issues coming out in fairly rapid succession because they're all, um, after the Kickstarter ended in whenever it was, August, whatever it was yeah. last year, yeah. they were all commissioned stretch goals. And now oh. it's when they're all coming to fruition all at kind because mm-hmm. they're commissioned yeah. at the same time. So they're yeah. all yeah. coming to fruition over the next few weeks. So that's exciting. Nice. So the next one will be it, it, Bite Me, which is a sort of Buffy-style vampire thing. Oh, mm-hmm. clever, clever. Yes. And the uh, last one is called Accidental Anthropomorphic Animal Heroes. Not 
any particular Ooh. age bounds. <laughs> and yes, you can play a turtle. <laughs> marvelous, marvelous. Good, good to hear. All right. Uh, yeah, the awfully cheerful engine for those who are joining us for the first time, and also for the benefit of our excellent guest trooper SJP, is essentially comic book size RPGs that you can pick up at a convention and just play. Mm-hmm. And yeah. credit card size rules, uh, like you know, uh, an excellent way to kill a couple of hours. Yeah, and rules nice. rules like designed for one shots so or very short campaigns, and yeah. each issue is a totally different genre and adventure, and it comes out like comic books in comic book size. Mm-hmm. Books, you know. They are almost indistinguishable from comic books. As I, as I expect to find out to my chagrin at some point, I'm like, oh, comic book, I should... Oh, no! Fooled by <laughs> Ace again! Game. Curse you, Morrissey! <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the die mechanic? Uh, so do you remember the Ghostbusters RPG mm-hmm. from the 80s? So mm-hmm. it is uh, a semi-retro clone of that. Oh. Right. So, so we finished the news. So you know yes. what that means. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. It is time for us to play a game. And we haven't played this game in a while because we haven't had a guest on for a few weeks. I know. Yeah. I'm so excited. Yes. You should be. <laughs> yeah, you might not be excited <laughs> once we've done it. We'll see. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I will be. I'm ready for this. <laughs> I'm ready. Have you brought your A game? Uh, have you been in training? Is the question. Right. A game, his B game, and his C game. <laughs> talking Look, talking of Rocky IV, have you... Yes. Have yes. You- <laughs> I did a montage. There was a whole montage. Um, I, I ate... You know, I drank... Um, shakes More made eggs. of eggs and then oh. i looked at kickstarters and then i climbed up a mountain and then somebody <laughs> threw names of kickstarters at me and i had to guess it was it was a very it was very dramatic uh, there was like a an 80s song in the background and do you have a robot absolutely absolutely okay ah you're, sorry, you, you're in trouble i mean <laughs> I, I, what can i say rest on your laurels get a frickly bum yes well say. well yeah. you know peter you have only played this game about 250 times so which is quite amazing since we've only done about 188 podcasts. Wow, there we go. Right then, they went. They went twice. You know, they 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 they, they watched the reruns and did it again. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So blindfolded. So this is our favourite game in the world. A game where I read out the name of the Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from. And just the name, Peter. Would you like to go first? Um, if that's okay with you. Absolutely. Yes. Then yes, I shall. Okay then. So, what is? Scrolling for the best one. Siran's Magnificent Walking Marketplace. That sounds amazing. It's a good name. Um, hmm. It feels like it is a splat book of some description. We've got a walk. A walking marketplace. So I'm immediately picturing something that's a bit like a, 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 a the Grand Souk in Morocco, like a big bazaar sort of place with just like so many little shop storefronts, which are basically tents and like you know, huge sections of it. And it's all on some sort of giant platform that is going along on maybe chicken legs, maybe mechanical <laughs> legs. I don't know. But it's sort of like, so you've got a souk in a sort of a Baba Yaga style going along. Um, and this is all run by uh, Siren, I'm guessing. So it will be, it will have random tables for as far as I can see, trinkets and baubles and all sorts of gigors and like um, 
like where different types of shop and like magic weapons, just packed full of that sort of information. Um, and I'm going to take a pun, right? Maybe for fifth edition. That's what I think oh. too. Yeah. Or would it? Or it might be for Pathfinder. No, I'll go sit with fifth edition. Yeah. I, I I agree. I agree completely with them. I think they okay. are completely correct. So, Peter, yes. you are correct. Yes. You are completely correct. Yeah. You are yes. so correct that you've just scored one billion and forty-two points. Yes, no high score. That's a pretty high nice. score. This is a five E source book. Market-related yeah. content has got ancestry subclasses, two hundred magical over two hundred magical items, mm-hmm. and it's a marketplace run by this powerful wizard. Basically, it is exactly what you just said. Yeah, yes. yeah. I, I I will throw up by the way, Trooper. To, this is not a guaranteed success, right? <laughs> <laughs> On my part, <laughs> this does not mean that I have won this game. Right. Oh, what well, I mean, I mean, you only you have think a billion points is quite a lead to overcome, and, it and is. forty-two, and forty-two, and 42. yes, and those forty-two are the important forty-two. I just throw that like this is this game is definitely not over. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not worried, but I was like, that's a real that's, right. that's that's what it is. It's definitely a five E splat book mm, yeah. with a lot of magic items. That's, Absolutely, uh, I, I we must I must commend these people for their excellent choice of name because mm-hmm. they said it. As soon as you say it, I was like, oh, yes, this must yep. be what it is. Don't know. Is it the Magnificent Mansion? Like, you just knew it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Okay, then. So, Trooper SJP, it is your turn. Okay, I'm Are ready. Are you ready? Maybe. Ooh, I don't know. This, I believe. I can see the, 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 bead of, the single bead of sweat just... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, what is Hell on the High Plains? Ooh, Hell on the High Plains. Okay. Hell on the High Plains sounds to me, ooh, I feel like this is not a supplement. I feel like it's a game because I feel like if it were a supplement, there'd be some other kind of like colon. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's a, I think it's a smaller indie game. I think mm. that it is um, Hell on the High Plains. Now that feels very much like a Western to me, um, and it feels if it's Hell on the High Plains. First of all, I really feel like there are trains involved, but probably not. I just think there are trains involved, but I bet there's not actually trains involved. I think it's probably like a kind of like a an indie story driven Western game that's probably a little tad supernatural. Um, I'm in my mind. I'm seeing like a, a cowboy on the cover, but maybe a little dead uh, who's got uh, kind slightly of like, dead. <laughs> but just slightly dead or, or very desiccated, you know, um, in a bit shadow with a hat and like you've got like the planes in the background. So I'm thinking a uh, smaller, smaller book, maybe sort of an indie game, maybe sort of a new, new company. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I hope it's its own system, but I wouldn't be surprised if it were like Powered by the Apocalypse. And um, yes, that's what I'm thinking. Hmm. So it's a good guess. So I'll give you a point for getting that it's set in the Wild West. Yes. I'll give you a point for spotting the sort of maybe undeady sort of supernatural element to it. So that's two points. Mm-hmm. However, it's definitely not an original indie system. It is, in fact, a Savage Worlds oh. powered um, Deadlands source yeah. book. Deadlands. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. I would. Yeah. I'm surprised I didn't say Deadlands. <laughs> hell on the plains, right? Because usually, know, like right? you know, right? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they put the Deadlands thing up. For, mm. yeah. So this is yeah. 192 yeah. pages of locations, including the oh. Dakota Territory, Deadwood, Kansas, and everything in between. Nice. 
more supernatural nice. for your weird world west adventures. Nice. Ooh, nice. Uh, yeah, I've never, oh. I've never actually played Deadlands. It's a, it's oh, a game that everyone I know pretty much has played, and I have not. I have, yeah. but I played the first edition way back from the nineties, mm. and I oh, know that the the Dead Man's Hand and yeah, yeah, yeah. wow. And I know wow. that the current yeah. Deadlands, I'm sure, is nothing at all like the old Deadlands because no. it's uh, it has changed so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, I I was thinking of a Zane Grey, Louis L'Amour sort of style to it. Ooh. So, yeah. Ooh. Oh, that would be nice. Yeah. So, Peter, it's your turn. So, yeah. the score now okay. is, yeah. I think, uh, 1 billion and 42 to uh, 2, I think. 3. 3? Two. Two. 2. 3. Two. Let's call it 3. Two. Why not? Why not? Yeah, Let's thanks. call it 3. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, I think it's Peter this time, isn't it? Peter. I yes. know, but I'm, but I'm ready to cheer. Okay. okay. I'm, I'm oh, going to cheer them on. I appreciate it. That's going to be generous of you. Cheering yeah. on your opponent. That's uh, <laughs> a sportsmanship. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. We prove a good sportsmanship, <laughs> except for you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm trying to pit, I am trying to pit you against each other in a gladiatorial Not match. Happen. <laughs> nope. Just just the worst year. <laughs> Friendship is magic, is all I'm saying. This is, this is, this is a PvP game. I'm just trying to say that. <laughs> Potentially at the risk of sounding pathetic, perhaps we could get on with it. All right, then. So, Peter, <laughs> what is the epic legacy... Tome of Titans, Volume 2. You could probably ignore the Volume 2 part, but... Uh, Epic Legacy, Tome of Titans. Wow. Um, they're certainly throwing around a lot of big words there. Um, I feel like Epic Legacy is maybe the game system, the sort of setting that they're going with. And Tome of Titans is they're like, well, you've had your Tome of Beasts and so forth. We're gonna, we, we've done Tome of Titans 1 and that had all the biggest, toughest things we could think of, and you liked it so much, we decided that, because they couldn't all quite fit in Volume 1, we're going to give you Volume 2 with more titles. I'm not giving you points for the Volume 2 bit. That bit's kind of... I feel like there should be at least one point for the Volume 2 bit. I think we can take it as bad. It is the second volume in a series. Yeah, so it's sort of like like a a monster manual for Epic Legacy game system with uh, more, like, titans, basically, who are your... Opponents and it's like lots of fun. Right. Okay. Uh, maybe it's Greek themed. Possibly. Okay. I don't know. So, what this actually is, is it no. is, as you say, Ooh. a monster book. Yeah. This is 14D Fifth Edition and oh. it is a book Ooh. of monsters for, to, for, or foes for characters that are 20th level or higher. Yep. Yep. Ah. The second of these books, apparently, according yes. to the yeah. I, I mean, and people say they don't play at level 20. But here we go. We've got product support coming out. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's got three weeks to go and it's done $80,000. So it's done very, very well. It's uh, it's mm. definitely wow. truly funny. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, Peter, uh, you got that about halfway, I suppose. So I'll give you five out of 10 for that. So that gives nice. you oh, now a score of 1 billion and 47, I think. Yep. Uh, so what's it? Chris, you're remembering well, numbers. One billion, okay? one billion and forty-three <laughs> to no, one billion and forty-four to. Is that right? Forty-seven. Forty-seven. Yeah. One billion. 47. You've got forty-seven. You've got three, so one billion and forty-four yes. to equalize. I think. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Can it be done? Okay. Can it be done? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm. Look, I've been practicing for this. It's the eye of the RPG, and those you know. The, yeah. Okay. So this one, yeah. I think, is is okay. a bit hard. Okay, I'm ready. It is harder, but that does make yeah. it worth one billion and forty. 
Four? Four, four, four five. five points. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so if you do get this, it's definitely worth that number of points, but I'll warn you, it is a okay, bit okay. So what is okay. Stark Hollow Hall? Stark Hollow Hall. Hmm. Okay. Stark Hollow Hall says to me that this is, no, I'm going to give you like the overview space. They're inspired by hmm. basically, I'm thinking Harry Potter, right? They're wanting some kind hmm. of... Uh, some sort of like magic school situation is what I'm feeling. Uh, but they're going to file the numbers off. Right? So Stark Hollow Hall. So it feels to me like mm-hmm. some sort of um, school setting, probably magic or in some ways paranormal. Um, the question is, what setting is it for? I feel like it can't be D&D because they have uh, they just had their uh, oh, it's, yeah, either, it's either an expansion for that one that came out. Right. The. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, what's it called? Strixhaven. Uh, Strixhaven, right? Yeah. It's either an expansion for Strixhaven, but that feels so soon. And also, also um, this is on Kickstarter as well. Yeah. So. Right. So that it wouldn't do that. Although you never know what people, kind of weird things people do. Uh, no. They would just put it on, on DMs Guild, right? I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I feel like it's a, it's a, I feel like it's a kind of a magic school setting. Um, maybe a little like, you know, monster heartsy. A little, it feels a little drama-y to me in a, in a kind of an exciting way. Um, that's where I'm going for. I'm going with that one. This is, uh, this is an interesting I one, actually. Um, so well. This is investigative gothic horror inspired by Ooh. Penny Dreadful, The Ooh. Haunting of Bly Manor. Ooh, and it's okay. nice. Okay, different hall. And it's powered by the gumshoe system. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. Press's investigative yeah, yeah, yeah. system. Okay. I've been running their uh, Cthulhu Confidentials. Mm, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That system powers a few things now, doesn't it? It powered Time Watch as well. Yeah. And it powered um, yes. uh, Swords of the Serpentine from uh, Kevin Cole. Yeah. Nice Black Probably Agents, yeah. Trail of Cthulhu, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bubble Gumshoe, yeah. um, Ashes, uh, Ashen Stars, Esoterrorists. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, Quite like, a bit, a fair, actually. Fair, fair few things. Like, uh, definitely. I think probably if I was going to run an investigative game, that is the system I probably think. Yeah, so Gumshoe is the system that sort of assumes that if you're investigating, it's not going to hide mm. clues from you, isn't it? If there's clues yeah, to find, so it's gonna, it's gonna, yeah. you're going to get the clues. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, and that does bring us to the end of this game. Um, sadly, I think I do have to announce Peter as the winner. Not, not that I want to, but I think I have to. No, I right. think it's fair. <laughs> I think it's fair. Yeah. I, I I got lucky. I got I got like the cool one at the start. So. Yes, congratulations, <laughs> Peter. Well I just want to quickly yeah. call out though. There's a couple of others. There's Dungeon Crawl Classics okay. 100. Music of the Spheres is Chaos from Goodman Games. I think that's a, a Dungeon Crawl Classics one, as I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's about the music of chaos. <laughs> Amazing. Nice, one billion nice. forty-seven points. Congratulations. <laughs> and then we've got Cthulhu sure. Awakens sure. from Green Running is currently running oh, yeah. um it's got three weeks Ooh. to go they've done sixty five thousand dollars so it's doing well and that's nice. that's their more inclusive take on the on the sort of Cthulhu mythos thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes let's love let's love craft yeah. and yeah. also we got a zweihander mm-hmm. fantasy horror rpg starter set as well oh that's fun that's- yeah Right, anyway, that is the end of this game. Well done, Peter. Congratulations. You have won. You get to take home the trophy, which is a smug sense of self-satisfaction. Keep it safe. (laughs) I will do. (laughs) Yes? 
Can I help you? Yeah, is this the Thieves Guild? What? No, of course not. This is a humble carpeting establishment. Nothing more. Are you sure? I was given directions to this very place and told to get the password, Smugglefish. I don't know what you're talking about. Can I interest you in a carpet? No, no, I want to join the Thieves Guild. There's no Thieves Guild here, my lad. Now, move along. If there was a Thieves Guild here, would you tell me? Hmm, it depends. Depends on what? Oh, I've said too much. Now, if you don't want a nice new rug or tapestry, I suggest you walk back up that street and forget you're ever here. That seems like a really odd thing for a carpet shop to say. Is it? I don't really know. Yeah, a carpet shop would try to sell me some kind of matting or a runner or something, but you just seem to want to get rid of me. Well, we're closed. But the sign here says, open. Oh, no, that's in Ancient Elvish. Famous carpenters to Ancient Elvish. Ancient Elvish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Closed in Ancient Elvish is spelled open. That seems awfully convenient. It's awfully inconvenient, if you ask me. Now, run along. I have some thiev- uh, uh, carpeting to do. <gasps> I knew it! Fine, fine, you got me. This is the Thieves Guild. Now, what do you want? I wish to join. Why? Well, because I'm a thief. Well, I guess that makes sense. What sort of thief are you? What do you mean? Well, I need it for the paperwork. Are you a burglar, bandit, pickpocket, smuggler, swindler, safecracker? I mean, what's your specialty? Right, right. I'm a pirate. A pirate? Yeah, I'm a pirate. But this is the Thieves Guild, not the Blooming ICs. Pirates? A type of thief? Um, I, yeah, I suppose you've got me there on a technicality. You don't look like a pirate. Well, you don't look like a Thieves Guild. Oh, fair cop. Okay, okay, next question. Are you prepared to swear the oath of loyalty, and do you understand what happens to squirrels? Squirrels? Uh, yes, people who squirrel on their friends to the town guard. Don't you mean a rat? A rat, yes. Right, right, getting my rodents mixed up. So, do you understand what happens to rats? I imagine they meet a grizzly ant. Exactly. Well, um, that all seems above board. Uh, welcome to the Thieves Guild. What? That's it? Oh, yeah, that's it. You're now a fully-fledged member of the high budget and Thieves Guild. Choose uh, five gold a month, plus you kick up 10% of your earnings, and, uh, of course, you get a discount on carpets, rugs, tapestries, mats, and clothes. Oh, right. Oh, I thought there would be uh, more to it than that. Well, like what? Uh, some kind of background check, perhaps? Make me earn uh, my spot with an act of skullduggery or subterfuge? An initiation ceremony, maybe? Or at the very minimum, an information package or briefing for new recruits? Right, you do get a membership card. Oh, that's good then. Oh, it's very nice. I like the filigree. Oh yeah, we are especially proud of our membership cards. But what if I'm caught by the guard? Well, what about it? If I'm caught by the town guard and I have a membership card, which very clearly says High Badgerton Thieves Guild on it, that's not very secure, is it? I mean, yeah, I mean, in terms of infosec. Well, it has our carpet prices on the back. Oh uh, yeah, so I see. So if I'm caught by the militia... You're suggesting that I... Uh, sell them a carpet, yes. Is this really a fees guild, or is it a carpet shop? Well, I did try to warn you. I naturally assumed the carpet shop was the front for the fees guild. Oh, no, 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 it's the other way round. The fees guild is the front for the carpet shop. That makes no sense at all. Look, do you want a carpet or not? Oh, go on then. Oh, I'll have a nice shag pile in dark green, please. Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool. Good lucky. That could only be our patrons. Yep. Man, I have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right. You know, why is that? I don't know. You tell me. 
Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top secret, super exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Wow. That's amazing. Where can they find this? Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. I did a uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, You probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash morris. And thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. I reckon we could. So, Trooper SJP, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute blast so far. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. So, the reason why we asked you is because I saw on Twitter you were talking about the use of Twitch to stream RPGs and how it was actually a common misconception that Dungeons & Dragons was the most common RPG. Well, I mean, it is. I mean, there's there's just so many misconceptions. Um, I, th- I, think there's, I think this is about... For me, it started with... I was talking to someone a couple of years ago, mm. and they said that they were, you know, that their channel was not doing well. You know, they were going to, mm. they were going to maybe like stop streaming because mm. their channel was doing so poorly. Uh, they had like an average of like 70 viewers a stream, which is not enough to get partner. And like, uh-huh. it's like what a huge failure that was. And I thought to myself, that doesn't seem right. Mm. <laughs> you know? And the idea being yeah. like, like, it's just basically too late to be able to be successful on Twitch. It's like, it's, you know, it's just too late. You've missed the, missed the mm. boat. Yeah. Right. And I just, yeah. And I just felt like I was like, there's something, it's not something not right, not right about that. And mm. then I was having a conversation with somebody else who was talking about how, there are no communities on Twitch that do RPGs that are not in English. And I was like, that also doesn't seem right to me. And so mm. I have just generally speaking, been hearing people say many things. Like yeah. if you want to be really successful on Twitch, you need to have, you need to be in a studio, right? You can't oh. be doing a remote, you need to be in a studio. Um, mm. Or, so there's a lot of conventional wisdom that's been happening. And, and I have never seen data to back it up. So I said, I'm going oh. to go and look. Right, I'm going to right, actually yeah. just look to see what the data is. I was no, uh, so, so it's like you just thought there's a lot of stuff being said. Yeah, but is it though? Is it true? Right. Yeah. Right. Because I was like, well, where, where, mm. where, where is this information? Right. So I, mm. I, you know what? I'm going to go check it out. And I used a combination of different sources. Selenium being my main one, but I had to go and download forty, fifty thousand different entries and then do a lot of data crunching to sort of get them because I have to take different mm. categories, right? Because you get the Dungeon Dragons category, the tabletop RPGs, RPGs category, mm. put them all together, figure out all the ratios. I mean, that seems like a huge job to yes. get involved with. Could you tell us a little bit more about your sort of background in maybe data handling? Is that? Oh, I'm a, I'm a professor of music history. Yes. Uh, so you might think, what is it? But, but I also did military intelligence uh, in the army right out of high school. So I, I have done a lot of data analysis mm. in yes. my past. Yeah. It gives you a inquiring attitude when people say yes. things. Yes. Mm. Yes. I'm like, well, is it? And mm. I'm just seeing Chris Hemsworth going, is it though? <laughs> is it though? <laughs> is it though? <laughs> yeah. And many things we say are just not true. Mm. Many things that we, we say and some of these things I knew were not true because some of them were clearly not true, right? When yeah, people would yeah. say things like, if you want to be popular and successful, 
You should hmm. never actually have mechanics in your streams because look at look at critical role and i was like yeah look at critical role they have three hour combats where they, yeah. they get they have maps and minis and they're all talking about like so hmm. these like there are all these and I, and I think critical role was really fascinating for me because people hmm. say things about critical role on either side that are clearly yes. not true right. like, mm-hmm. oh, critical role that's not real D because they don't even they don't care about the rules they never like they just sit in there i was like have you watched the show <laughs> like, they're, like they're pretty crunchy you're like there are yeah. all these ideas about and i so i said i started looking into it and yeah yeah the thing about it is that you have to do, there are some numbers that you can't get unless you really sort of do too much Excel spreadsheeting. And mm. one of the things I wanted to know was what is the average viewer count for an RPG stream? Mm, right. Okay. Yeah. And, and yes, critical roles like 50,000. That is true. Yes. Uh, 50, 60,000. But, but that's sort of an extreme outlaw, as it were. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> what okay. is the average? Mm. Now, there are two ways you can do this. Like, there's the is average viewer count, and you can look at the average average viewer count or the median average viewer count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like the median viewer average viewer count is better because of the, the Just critical skew. Role will skew that. Yeah. 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 It's three. Three viewers. Three viewers. The median wow. average viewer count is three. Uh, the wow. average average viewer count is like 10 or 11. And this was also interesting because there were a number of things people, like people said, oh, the D&D category is a much better category than the tabletop category. If you want to be famous and popular and you want to make it really big, you've got to be in the D&D category. But actually mm. the tabletop category, fewer, fewer uh, streamers by quite a lot, but the, mm. but the viewer, the viewer ratio is much better, right? right? Their, their averages are higher. And what I think is super fascinating is that the vast, like, if you look at the top 10, top 20 streams that stream under the tabletop RPG category, yes. the top 10, like only two or three of them are in English. Mm. Like the top streams in that category are Portuguese. Uh, oh. There's quite a lot of, a lot of, like Selbit is often number one and Selbit has more followers than Critical Role does. Averages are lower wow. than Critical Role's averages, but like yeah. massive, like massive. Uh, right they're, they're doing very well. Lots That's of French, okay. lots of uh, uh, Portuguese, Russian, uh, German. So if wow. in the tabletop RPGs category, there's so many people who are streaming not in English, which by the way, I think is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Amazing. I think for this last year, uh, for 2021, it, it was... Uh, you had like, what is that percentage? That percentage is pretty decent. You've got, what is that? Three, 3,975 out of like uh, nine, seven. So it's like about like one third of the streams under the tabletop mm-hmm. RPG category were in English, only one third. And then Portuguese was about uh, very close behind, also, also about a third. Mm-hmm. And then wow. French Spanish. But on the Dungeons and Dragons category, uh, it's overwhelmingly English. Right, right, right. Like okay. overwhelmingly English. It's like huge. It's like you know. So, so it, in the anglophone sphere, D and D is very much uh, this monolith. But does that speak that to actually? Because sorry? we've mentioned before that Call of Cthulhu is the biggest RPG in um, um, Japan. Japan. Yeah, also in Germany. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, torment in Portugal. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Brazil, <laughs> Brazil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would yeah. say though, I think it's really important to be to sort of think. Just because it's in the Dungeons and Dragons category doesn't mean it's actually Dungeons and Dragons, right? Right. True. Because yeah. a lot of people, I mean, 
because so many people believe that that's the category you need to be in to be popular. Many mm-hmm. people will stream the Dungeons and Dragons category when they're not streaming Dungeons and Dragons, right? Also because the tabletop RPG category is newer. So many people are just, just yeah, used, used to being to have to be in the Dungeons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. grandfathered in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so like the average viewer is like, it's three, right? Um, so if you are sitting around with 10 viewers, you're doing very well. And is that and, live viewers or does, or does that count people after the fact or is it just live? Live, live viewers. Right, right, right. Right, right. Yeah. So people who basically tuned in? Yes. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. tuned in. Yeah. And there's, this is very important to me for a reason. And that is many people, it's the, it's the problem of scale, right? Mm-hmm. Many people look at critical role mm, yes. and they think that's what, Average successes. Right. right oh, yeah. Right. Perspective. Yes, yes, right. Yeah. It's yeah, a yeah, yeah. perspective thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And if I can't get numbers like that, then I'm a failure. Oh, man. I only have 50 viewers. If you have 50 viewers, you're, you're probably in the top 1% mm, of all wow. streamers in the category. Right. 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 Wow. Okay. Like, I'm in like, like, my viewer average is like 30 to 40, and I'm in the top 1%. Mm, right. Yeah. So, uh, if you're, if you're, you, we, so many people think that they're failing because their numbers are small, but their numbers are not small. They're actually, very good mm. if, if um, you've hit double digits you're yes. actually yes you're actually doing some great work so yeah. that person right. you were referring to earlier who was saying they were only 70. getting 70 yeah. was in fact doing extremely well yes yeah and i think wow. that there's other things that we are not thinking about because i was like okay let me go a little bit further so mm. how many people who are streaming can make let me make a cutoff of 75 because that's what you need for partner not many um, oh okay like i mean less than one percent i mean think about this for a moment this is mm. overall for Twitch. The numbers are a little bit unclear because there's a little bit of iffiness there, but mm. somewhere between 10 and 15% of all streamers mm-hmm. are affiliated. And to be mm. affiliated, you need to be able to get three average viewer count over your streams over 30 days, right. which means, mm. and that's an automatic, like affiliate is automatic. So that means oh, that we're looking okay. at like 85% of people who cannot get three viewers average. Right. 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 Less than it's like one half of 1% of streamers are partnered. Oh, right. And to be partnered, you need 75 average viewers mm. and being partnered does that does not mean you're going to make full time money just no. because you're partnered. Doesn't mean you're going to be making money that will, you might not even be making a hundred dollars a month. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you never know. And so can you lose and, that if your, if your average drops, is that, does no. it, does it have to start, once you've got it, you've got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. No, I think that you can, I think it can be taken away from you, but my understanding is looking at this is commander root who does a lot of really good analysis in mm. terms of how many people have been streaming in terms of per quarter mm. that like oftentimes, even though like about a half a percent of streamers are partnered only about like 0.26 streamers who are partnered streamed last quarter. Right. So right. like there are a lot of people who are partners who are just not streaming that quarter. So, uh, and I think one of the things I think about this is this weird paradox of a, you're doing way better than you think you are mm. and B you're not going to become wealthy and independent and go full-time doing this mm. most likely because mm. most people cannot, uh, mm. the vast majority of the streamers are just, that's just, if your dream is, Oh, I'm going to go and be a full-time streamer and making hundreds mm. of thousand dollars a year, uh, or a month that, that is mm. just very unlikely yeah, to happen. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, it's that not is, impossible. It's not impossible, but but not the way to bet. I would, I would not bet on it. I would start thinking no. about yes, have multiple plans. But listen, yes. if you're going, if you're going to start a new online store, you're not going to be Amazon. If you're going to, no. if you're going to write yourself an yes. RPG, you're not going to be D and D. But that does not right. mean you cannot be successful. 
Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and for me, it's about changing the scale. Right. So yeah. and this is the same thing with D&D. Right. So D&D is very big. Mm. Uh, yes. And I see people who say, well, <laughs> people say all sorts of things that I, I feel like they need <laughs> to think a bit more. Somebody said, mm. you know, if Critical Role, if they played indie games, then mm. those indie games would be as popular as D&D. And I was like, they first off, they do play indie games and they're mm. not. Um, no. D&D, yeah. like you're just never going to beat D&D. I just mm. find it very unlikely that you're ever going to beat D&D because D&D is backed by Hasbro mm-hmm. and they have 50 years worth of name recognition. They have mm. had cartoons, uh, Saturday morning cartoons, movies, books. I mean, the, the amount More of- of those I mean, coming out as well. Pop culture yeah, yeah. significance. Yes, Even uh, companies that aren't being paid yeah. will still talk about D&D. Yeah. And of course you can yeah, ask, why, why do you want to beat D&D anyway? What's- that's that's just yeah. to me that's just kind of more of an yeah. ego thing when what yeah. you need to do is successfully achieve your goals the goals that yes. you need to be successful yeah. which have nothing yeah. to do with yes. what someone something like someone else is doing absolutely yeah. and i and i think about this like in terms of roll 20 as well so roll uh, D has dropped its numbers right for roll 20 mm-hmm. they are now in the 50s like 50 something percent Ooh. of all roll 20 games are D 5e mm. Uh, it used to be in the low 60s. Yeah. Call of Cthulhu's next. Part, part of that, though, uh, I do believe World 20 changed the way it counted things, which mm. counted for part of that drop. Yeah. Uh, it was like a couple of years ago, I think it was, and um, some of the figures shifted round a little bit, I yeah. think. Yeah. But here's the thing. So Call of Cthulhu's next, right, with like mm. 13, 14, 15% mm-hmm. around there. And they've got a couple, but the vast majority of games are under 1%. Mm-hmm. More people play first edition AD&D than they play like Numenera. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like, mm. uh, so I think that people have to understand that gap. The gap is immense. Yeah. Most games are hitting 1%, half a percent on roll 20. Mm. So if you're trying to get that 50% and you're currently at one half, it's just probably not going to happen. It might be better to just take D&D out of the equation. Just take them mm. out and then realize if you refigure, like if you reconfigure mm. all of those numbers, all of a sudden, wow, you're doing very well. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like now you're like, yeah. like you're 20% of the market. If we just take, like, it's just, yeah, just yeah. take them out, right? They're not really in the same sphere exactly. yeah, as everyone not else. Not I mean, as yeah. you yeah. say, like something like Numenera is 1% yeah. or below. But I don't think anyone would argue that Monty Cook Games is not doing well for itself, is not yes. a successful business, uh, it's yes. employing several Absolutely. full-time people and paying them well as well. Yeah. They're not, you know, yeah. I think Sean K. Yeah. Reynolds um, came out and said, like, this yeah. is the best he's yeah. ever been paid, including yeah. his times at Wizards yeah. and uh, Pizer. Yeah. So, you know. And of course, but this is where we get one of the other problems, which has also been driving a lot of my sort of interest in this data collection. Mm. It is um, the wars between indies and majors. Right. Like I'm an indie mm-hmm. game and I'm so small and you're a big corporation, Monty Cook Games, Margaret Weiss, Artel Sorian. And I thought, hold on a second. I don't think that Artel Sorian has that many full time employees. <laughs> and I and actually, I think like Steve yeah. Jackson Games, which makes huge amounts of money with Munchkin, they don't have many people doing their RPGs either. Mm. Hold on a second. Mm. And the thing is, everybody's an indie. Like the, the, the concept mm. of indie doesn't really make sense. I don't think in RPGs, I mean, no. it, it, it makes sense only in so far, if you think about indie as an aesthetic rather than anything that's sort of objective, mm. right? If you think about Ooh. it like indie rock, right? Because wow. if somebody says to me, like, yeah. I only like indie music. Yeah. Can you recommend an indie band to me? And I said, sure. Yeah. Here's third time out a bluegrass band, which is on an independent label. But you mm. know, people don't mean a bluegrass band when they mm. say they want indie music. Mm. They actually mean a particular aesthetic, right? Right, and right. Yeah, yeah. 
The indie aesthetic comes right out of the Forge and Indie Press Revolution. It's those games that are quarto-sized rather than large size. They tend to be narrativist games. They tend to be like they have an aesthetic. They have a they have same distributors. They like there's like a there's a vibe, right? Now it has changed a little bit, but there's a reason why people don't call Pelgrane Press stuff indie, even though it is. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a reason why people don't call the OSR stuff indie even though it also is, mm-hmm. right? So, or, or even Pinnacle Entertainment Group, Savage Worlds. Absolutely. Yeah. Basically, it's all indie. That's the yeah. thing. It's all indie. Like, does, yeah. is Magpie Press really much smaller than, I don't know, Evil Hat? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. these things are, we're all small. Like, everybody's small. Yeah. And so a lot of these sort of yeah. big tensions are not based in data, right? They're mm. like, they're based on the imagination. Oh, you've been around, so you must be big. But like, you're number three. Like, you're number three in sales. Number three in sales is probably actually quite small because D&D is... No. There was, it was like a, the ICQV said a couple of quarters again that there was that one quarter when D&D, when Wizards didn't put out any product that one quarter mm-hmm. and the sales for RPGs dropped by a very large percentage. Right, like right, basically yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. like they're the game. Yeah. So don't compare yourself to them. Yeah. Realize that everybody is small, mm-hmm. right? Everybody is small. And so recalibrate. If you can recalibrate, then all of a sudden, wow. Uh, Magpie's doing really well. Evil Hat's doing really well. Margaret Weiss is doing really well. You know, like uh, yeah. uh, uh, Modiphius is doing really well. All of a sudden, you can sort of see. Uh, essentially, no one does well if they're compared to D and D. Yes, because yes. that is essentially impossible yeah. to to yes. come out of that comparison. Well, in the same right. way that I don't well compare, I don't do well compared to say IBM. Right, I'm not in the yeah. I'm not in yeah. the same league. Mm. Yes. Right, I'm not even and into the same business almost. Uh, yeah, abs- uh, right, and I actually think that's well, true. Well, like, well, you're, Jeff you're, Bezos did ask me for a loan the other day. I just, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, and I <laughs> think just because he's not prepared to pay for his own drinks, right? And I think that actually looking at data becomes really interesting, right? And I think there's all these ways in which things skews happen. So right now, a lot of people think they look to Twitter to understand what is popular. Mm. or not on streaming. Mm-hmm. But that is a very bad metric. Many people are very popular on Twitter and are not big on Twitch, mm. right? So like if you, like there are a number of really large, uh, there are clicks. platforms. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a, lot, there yeah, there's a lot of bubbles, isn't there? There's, uh, yeah. Mm. Like if you think about some of the most popular bubbles I see, mm-hmm. you know, like Arcadum, Captain, Captain Robear is like top five all the time. Never see that Captain Robear in conversation. Mm. Most people who talk about who's big and who's not big never talk about Captain Robear, although Captain Robear is like top five. Mm. Uh, there are a number of people who are very, very big and you, they never see them in, in the Twitter sphere. So if you're judging no. what is big based on Twitter, you're mm. going to be missing a lot of people. And a lot of those people, I will tell you, do not use face cams. They're not in a studio. They're playing like old school D&D with a map and minis mm. and with just doing voiceovers. Mm. There's a lot that you think that to be a successful Twitch stream, you need to do a very, very sort of like pretend like it's TV and like all of this and all of that mm-hmm. with accents and costumes. And those things are great. And I love them and I do them myself. Yeah. But, you know, some of the biggest ones are just not that. And mm-hmm. uh, for me, like like my my stream, the stream that the my stream that I do is a, is a World War Two French resistance game with no magic. Yeah. It is nice. not cinematic. It's pretty gritty. Um, and it's kind of dark. It's use, it uses fate, mm. but not in the way that some people would want you to use fate. And it's a historical. And if you look at sales data, mm. the worst genre to do if you want to make your game popular is historical. That is those, mm. that is not like it's fantasy, then like sci-fi, then horror. And historical is like way in the bottom. Mm-hmm. They never sell as well. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody would say to me, if you want to be, if you want to do well on Twitch, mm. 
you should probably play D&D and you should definitely not do a historical that's, you know, a French resistance historical. Yeah. I'm doing partic- I'm doing well because yeah. the numbers are small. I feel like you do what you want to do and you do it well. You as it's what you were saying, right? Uh Russ, you make your own standards of success and stop comparing yourself to other people because the comparisons are often also not even based on real data. Right, right. right? Like you have to if you do what you are passionate about and you do it well, you will get great numbers. You just have to realize that 10 is a great number. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's that, yeah. that moment where you have to really recalibrate and understand mm. that there are a lot of different ways to do this. And whether we're talking about actual sales of RPGs, the, the books mm. themselves, or viewership on like, uh, you know, numbers on Roll20 or Twitch numbers mm. or YouTube numbers, all these numbers you have to realize that you're getting skewed data and stop mm. looking only at the outlier as and making the outlier the norm recalibrate and realize that you know it's this and it's the same thing with twitter some very small percentage of people actually post on twitter mm. right so mm-hmm. i see all these i see all these and it makes me very sad it makes me very sad i see people say oh man the ttrbg community is so awful it's so harsh and it's so mean everybody's so cruel i was like you're talking about Twitter. About yeah. 50, yeah. 50, and only 15 people on Twitter, mm. right? You know what I mean? Like you're not talking about all of Twitter even, or even all of people who like RPGs on Twitter. Most people are, are being very, very reasonable. Yeah. Twitter makes its money off of outrage, right? So you, you're, we're getting these skews, skewed ideas and the community is, is, mm. is fine, you know? Yeah. Mm. I, I mean, I've just like, this one says something, I find it just really stupid and annoying. And like, as a younger person, I would have argued. Now I'm like, mm. no, look. In the bin. Shoo, shoo, shoo. Which means that people don't either. see you, right? Which means they yeah. think that, mm. right? Like you're part of the TTRPG community just as much as, as everybody else is, right? And, yeah. but you're just not as loud, right? And so there's a really, and I think it's just important to let people know, like, hey, especially TTRPGs, hey, which is a very, I was, a doing, non- I was doing TTRPG communities before Twitter even existed or right. Facebook even existed. Like we're talking 1999. Yeah, I, 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 I think the not being loud thing was a reference <laughs> to me, possibly. Well, to you do have your own website and massive forum. So that's not, yeah. Right. But here's the thing about that. And this yeah. is something I try to remind people. And I, I yeah. said this to somebody and they're like, what? Like they, they were surprised. I said, you know, yeah. there are other places than Twitter to find RPG people. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, there are forums. They're like, mm. really? Like what? I was like, are you okay? Uh, like there are so many, like, mm. I realize that if you only come into this one space, you may not realize yeah. that. I mean, I still hang out on the Steve Jackson games forums. Mm. I still hang out mm. on the RPOL uh, play by post forums. Like there are so many different mm. places where you can come and find community that are yeah. vibrant and alive that are yeah. not Twitter. Mm. My Twitter feed is also not the same as other people's Twitter feeds because I mm. actually have all sorts of folks who play some of these older games on my feed yeah. and they're not the same mm. as these other feeds. And I think that it's important to just remember that what you're seeing is not the whole thing. That's mm, mm, mm. really important. Mm. Can we back yeah. to that sort of measuring your own standards of success and not yeah. comparing yourself to something like D&D. I think another angle of that is maybe it's just saying the same thing in different words is, mm. you know, carve out your own niche of yeah. what you are good at, what you can do well yeah. and do that thing well. Yes. And, and don't, you know, you don't have to be mainstream appeal. You don't have to right. appeal to everybody. Yeah. You just have to yeah. do what you do well yeah. and just focus on doing that thing. Yeah. And then here's the weird flip side of that. D&D is not mainstream. Like people want, like this, this is the weird thing. People are like, oh, D&D is so mainstream. It's so sellout. It's so big. It's just, it was like, 
again, the sales, the sales for RPGs mm. are small. Mm. D&D mm. sales are bigger than everybody else's, but in the overall scheme of the hobby industry, mm. RPGs just don't, are, are not selling very well. Mm. Like they're just not that big. So for, for the idea, the idea that D&D is mainstream mm. is not accurate, right? Like mm. I don't, I don't know. Like, so critical role, right? They get what? 50, 60,000 people. Mm. Um, if, if I look at them, let me see. How are they doing for 2021? So 2021, because I, I feel like people just need to get a little bit more perspective, right, on this on this matter, mm-hmm. because they don't have it. Is is just so they had? <laughs> let's see, okay, their yeah. average viewer count was 53,000 people for last year, mm-hmm. right? Wow, like filling football stadiums, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, 53,000. Um. The worst rated TV show that I could find. I was like, let me, let me just look Right, yeah. the worst rated TV show. And like some weird random cable channel still okay. got over a million viewers. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. wow. Cause. Okay. Okay. Right. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like yeah. that's 53,000 people compare that even to like YouTube views. Mm. YouTube blows mm. Twitch out of the water. We can go on and on about how big critical role is. And it is compared to other Twitch shows, but like Twitch has a fraction of the viewership that YouTube has. Mm. Uh, YouTube has the it's fraction a, it's a of the viewership. Goldfish, yes, in a very small goldfish bowl. Right, and to yeah. think that like D and D is mainstream, it is not mainstream. It is, mm. it is, it just isn't. Right, it no. is still a a niche market. It's like saying, I'm, I'm going to tell you something just to let you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My advisor <laughs> for my my dissertation advisor <laughs> was Susan McClary, which. Okay. I'm sure you know, is one of the most famous musicologists. Of course. Yeah, yeah. There is. Very, very oh, absolutely. Oh, that, oh, this is McClary. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, absolutely. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Um, nobody knows who she is unless <laughs> yeah. you're a musicologist. Like, she may be <laughs> the most famous musicologist, but she's a musicologist. Right. Come on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I think it's important to both be able to hold both of those things at once, right? Yes. The critical role and D&D and Roll20 and all of these things are the biggest things but mm. also they're not mainstream. Mm. They're actually quite small. And yeah. yes, they're bigger yeah. than all the other things, but it's it's not, it's just not that big. And yeah. and to dismiss D&D because it's mainstream really miscategorizes the fact that it's it's actually not mm. mainstream. Mm. It's still pretty, okay. like you're not, you're not going to be, people are like, well, but famous people play D&D. So it's mainstream, like, yeah, be in high school and tell people you play D and D still in twenty twenty two. It's it, you're not. It's not. Mm. It's not cool. You know what I mean? No. Like it's it's. But, but it may. But maybe people have heard of it. And yeah, sure. Nowadays, they are hopefully less likely to have misconceptions about the sort of person that would. Hopefully, it. hopefully. I mean, is, is some of this maybe driven by I don't know jealousy and you know emotions like that. Is that oh, is that part yes. of the mixture? Oh, um, very, very much so. One hundred percent. I got to say. Sure, I suppose. I like to be kinder than that, personally. Mm. I like indie games a lot. I do too. I, I mean, I, I specifically enjoy this podcast because we cover all yep. of the RPG games that we can get our hands on. I think some of it for me, jealousy. Sure, okay, but for me, some mm. of it has to do with um. How do I put this? All right. Um, I like some pretty out there music, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. it's what I do for a living. And I, and I yeah. listen to some really out there stuff. Diamanda Galas, who is this sort of like 1980s performance artist. She's still doing stuff, right? Mm. Who like 
dumped fake blood on herself was singing songs without a shirt on and screaming. Like her singing involved screaming a lot right. in oh. French and Latin. And she'd have like two right. microphones, one which was not did not have filters on it. One which did. She had this whole piece which was like Baudelaire's right litanies of Satan. Huh. It's like she's at some kind of like weird goth club in 1986, screaming in Latin and in French, Baudelaire and all this. She's right. not in the top 40 and I'm not going to complain about it because I would, why would it ever think that she'd be top 40, <laughs> top of the chart, top of the chart? Right, right, yeah. That makes no sense. And it, yeah. it's so odd to me to have people who are making games that are very niche games, which yeah. is kind of why I like them, but like yeah. a game where you're like a sea sponge talking about your divorce. I do not know why you think that that would be as big as D and D ever. Mm. I just don't know why you would ever think that. Uh, and I don't know why you want to. This game exists. Yes, it's, it's great. It, it sort of goes back to what we were talking about at the start yeah. show with the existence of art and people complaining. Actually, well, yes. people just don't like our art. And possibly it's because people don't understand it. Absolutely. Right. Or maybe they just don't like it. Yes. Which is, which is yes. sad, but also it's like there are still some people that this is going to be the best game ever. There is someone yep. out there right now, I guarantee. There's like a whole group of people and they, yep. they want to play your game. Yes, absolutely. About sea sponges going through a divorce. They're, they uh, they are, they don't even know it, but as soon as you say to yes. them, they're like, I am so stoked to this. I have to play yeah. this right now. Like, uh, you know, um, yeah. Good Society mm. uh, by Story Brewers is a brilliant game. It's the Jane, Jane Austen game. It is brilliant. Mm. It is it is so good. Y'all, I have to tell you, yeah. um, if you like games, if you're interested in like game design and like thinking about game design, I have to, I cannot recommend this, this game more highly. Mm. It's a diceless system, mm. but it's so well done. I mean, it, it is, it, I, oh my goodness. It is phenomenal in terms of the ways in which the rules that they have create mm. a play experience. Mm. And there's some games that are very rules light where I think the people who made them don't understand probabilities and mechanics. Mm. And sometimes the mechanics mm. are, are too loose and they don't really do mm. what you want them to do. This game is brilliant. Um, it like you have a character, right? And your character has like a secret goal, has a goal that they want to achieve. Um, and you have to have like a, a, a class background and an archetype. Yeah. yeah. And basically you want to do these things, but you're always being looked at by society. And if you do things that society does not like, maybe you're drunk in public or you're a little bit too bold, mm. right? You get these sort of negative things that happen to you because yeah. society does not approve of what you're doing. Mm. And so you have this, you're always in this tension between like, I want to go and run off with Mr. Darcy, but that would really look bad. So how do I, how do I manage these things? And yeah. you also play like you, you, you have, they've got these monologue tokens where you say your inner monologue. Mm. Um, you play NPCs of other people. Uh, you have a rumors phase where you say what, what rumors are going around in the town about like what's going on. Like it's the way it's built. I, you see people who never like to lose play this game and they're like, what would happen if my character, if people think that my character is having an affair with so-and-so? Yeah. Like you see them like, like mm. sabotaging their own characters to make this amazing story. It, it is so well done. It is mm. so thoughtfully done. The mechanics work so well. It is so good. However, mm. will, do I think it'll ever be as big as D and D? No, mm. it's a Jane Austen game. Mm. It's yeah. a game where you play in a Jane Austen world and it's brilliant, but of course it's not going to be. It's like, it's, it's a niche game. It's yeah. a brilliant niche game, but come on. And of course the important thing is it doesn't need to be as big as D and D. And it doesn't no. need to be as big in D and D. And no one can be, right? Mm. Not only does it need to be, but it can't. And Cyberpunk Red will never be as big as mm. D&D. Mm. 
Paizo's like, I mean, I mean, so many games will just never mm. be as big as, as D&D. And I imagine if D&D came out today, it also would never be as big as D&D. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I just put this in perspective. So I, I publish games and obviously I am yep. a micro percent of what D&D is, like yeah. 0.000001% yeah. of what yeah. D&D is. But, huh. you know, I'm able to pay myself a decent wage. I'm able to employ a couple yep. of people yep. reasonably well paid as well, you know, and yep. make a make a good solid living out of doing yep. this. That, as far yep. as I'm concerned, is success. That's like, you know, yes. I'm. Yeah. Yep. And you know, to, just to like to take it out slightly, this is the case with most entertainment, mm. right? So if you think about, I mean, I I know the the music industry best, but I know some of the other things as well. Mm-hmm. The music industry, they lose money on nine out of ten albums they put mm. out. They make almost all oh. their money off of like 10% of their artists. They lose money on almost everything, right? So most artists don't make that kind of money, right? And we often think, oh, I want to be, oh, I want to be famous. That's success. Many of those really big famous artists are not making any money mm. because a record company is cheating them really, really badly. Yeah. Um, like mm. a lot of these big, massive artists makes like make twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year yeah, yeah. after all the Yeah, they know they know which of the new are. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I was just watching this documentary about the guy that was the the um, manager for Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and whatnot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they were interviewing them. And he he went to jail uh, because he was a con man, as it turned out. And um, uh, like uh, he was doing like a um, happy ending. okay, like uh, investment fraud, right? So, but um, wow, okay, okay, yeah, like like real con man. And so the mm-hmm. the Backstreet Boys, which like had sold ten million albums, right? Mm-hmm. They were massively huge. They've been working for like a couple of years and they haven't been getting any income at all. They were getting like thirty five bucks a week. And just rehearsing all the time. And there was like this big moment, like, okay, finally, we're going to give you your check. It's been like multiple years. We're going to give you your check. It's a big deal. We yeah, took yeah. a big dinner. And they got a check for $10,000 a piece. $10,000 a piece. Mm. And here's the thing that I wanted to say about that. You know who makes pretty decent money? Cover bands. <laughs> Wedding bands. Uh, lo- that local band. That local band that's playing in your pub, maybe making just as much right, as the right, Backstreet yeah. Boys did. Or more, right? And so because we have these kind of fantasies about what success looks like, which is often not based on actual. knowing actually what's going on, you yeah. could be a, an indie oh, okay. de- an indie developer and yeah. make actually better money than a lot of other people are making, mm. right? You can be yeah. most like most actors are not Brad Pitt. Right, right, yeah. right? Well, most like, actors like you were saying, Russ, uh, if you yeah. had a if you've got a good patron and yeah. you got like a thousand people giving you a dollar a month. Well, that's, that's the thing. Yes. A, thousand, a thousand good fans yeah. is is yeah. uh, interesting. It's I wanted to go back to what you were saying about percentages of people on Twitch mm. and um, how, mm-hmm. how many people are doing what. Do you have any sort of like absolute figures on that as opposed to percentages? So I just wanted to get a, a sense of what sort of size, how many people are, actual people are making 75 or more, for example, in the RPG. Oh, is that, yes. are we talking hundreds, thousands? Tens, oh, you know. thou- it's not thousands. No, 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 no. no. Uh, no that's, that's, oh, that's ridiculous. That's, no, no, no. Uh, no. So for the year 2020, there were, now this is, this is combined because if you go to most of the data, they do not combine the categories. So I had to put them together to actually get better numbers. Um, and then combine, like, cause some people stream on both categories. So I had to actually find all the duplicates, combine them to get a, mm. a more accurate number. Yeah. But for like last year, for 2020, there were 34,180 people who streamed right. in that, in the categories of Dungeons yeah. and Dragons yeah. or tabletop RPGs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, 34,000. 34, um, of that 34, right, you're looking at 
Ooh, again, you've got like maybe 9,000 in tabletop RPGs and the rest in Dungeons and Dragons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you're looking at combined for people who have an average mm -hmm. of se 75 or up. Yeah, the uh, partner, let's look, Twitch partners, yeah. Well, just because you have 75 doesn't mean you're a Twitch partner because Twitch does not actually give everybody True. a partner who True. makes those averages. Right. Um, but potential partners potential that partners. have to apply for it. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, because again- Automatically right. affiliates, but we won't get into the depths of Twitch partner stuff because I realize that's a very large topic. <laughs> yes, but I mean, like they, they only take people, a certain number of people, right? So, but I, mm. let me, let me scroll up 75. Uh, that is 415. Wow. Okay. Mm. Out of 44,000? Uh, yeah. Of 30, yeah. 34,000. 34,000. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. And, and I'm going to note, mm. not all those people are partnered. Mm. That's just the mm. number of people who have the average viewer count in order so that they could yeah. apply. They could be eligible to be partners. Yes. They're yeah. not actually... Some of them are, probably, yes. but they are not guaranteed partners taking this. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. 415 people. Damn. 415 channels total. And I just feel like people kind of maybe need to think about that for a mm. moment, right? That mm. this, is, uh, this is not a lot. Like, that's 415 people in the year mm -hmm. 2020 mm -hmm. who streamed under either Dungeons & Dragons or tabletop RPGs Mm -hmm. had the average viewer count to be eligible to apply. And there were like 11 million people who streamed in 2020. Mm. Right? Like just. Okay. And yeah. I can actually tell you how many people actually were partnered. And I will note that other people who were, who streamed under Dungeons and Dragons, who then are partnered, they may not have gotten their partnership through streaming RPGs. Cause quite mm. a few, quite a few of the top 10, top 20 streamers mm -hmm. in the category are video game streamers primarily. Right. Right, who built their who built their uh, viewership through video games, which are yeah, through video games, much yeah. bigger audience. Yes, yeah. yeah. uh, six hundred and twenty-one people who streamed in twenty twenty were mm -hmm. partnered. Right, right. Um, stupid question. Yeah, what benefits does being partnered actually mm -hmm. give you? Oh, oh, that's interesting. So uh, there was a time when there wasn't any affiliate, right? So right. it was either partner or nothing. But now yeah. affiliate actually fills in a number of things. So being partnered, like being an affiliate, you can monetize your channel. Mm -hmm. So I do want to point, this is actually also an important point. I, I, this mm. is because there's a lot of talk about like, well, if you are streaming, you need to pay your cast and you need to pay them a hundred dollars, you know, a, an episode. Yeah. You, mm. Yeah. We, we, we could this in episode one, four, eight, working with little red dot before you start your show, work out how you're going to pay people. Right. Mm. But I need to yeah. note that again, 85% of all the streams are not making any money. They can't, yes. they're not even eligible to make money because they're not even affiliated, no. right? So, you, so you have to think about that. Like 85% of all these people, remember with their like zero viewership, three mm. viewership, not affiliated, they are not bringing in any income. Mm. They cannot realistically pay anyone because they're not getting paid themselves. There, there's no money coming in there. Mm. And even if you are affiliated, like, so I'm affiliated and I make yes. what? I don't know. I've got what, 60 something, 60 something subscribers right now. So I probably make yeah. like $120 a month, mm. which is not going to pay my cast. I, I pay my cast. First of all, I, I said, I will pay my cast on my own pocket. I only do, I only do one show. Mm. And if I, and I will pay them not good enough for what I want. Uh, I was paying them originally $25 a, a, an episode, which is actually better than most people do, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, I was like, because I can pay for that out of my, out of my own pocket. Mm. But luckily, 
my Patreon and tips and bits make it so that I I only had mm. I've only had to pay out of pocket for my very first season seventy five bucks total. So right. I'm very very pleased and honored that my uh, that the, the viewers. Support. Yeah, that the viewer support means that I can pay my cast. Sometimes I don't get paid, but they're getting paid and that is fine and that is good and that's important Mm. to me. But I also do not want to put that standard on anybody else, right? I have a full-time job, right? So I can afford to do that. And again, $100, $150 a month is not going to pay my rent. Like if this would would not be a full-time job for me, right? I could never do this that way. And so like being aware of the fact that the vast majority of streamers are not monetized at all. Mm-hmm. And even if you're affiliate, it doesn't mean you're actually going to have any kind of decent money, even some partners, right? So, but if you're a partner, mm-hmm. you can monetize your channel, mm-hmm. which means that's something. Um, you, one of the big things that's funny is that you can actually get transcoders. So if you're not affiliate or partner, you don't get any transcoding at all, right? So that means a viewer mm-hmm. cannot make the bit rate lower, which, so if you're streaming at like 1080p mm-hmm. and somebody's okay. on a not great internet connection, they're just going to not be able to watch your show. Right. right. Because oh, okay. it's, it's going to be too, di- like, especially if you've like, cause again, all over the world, people are watching Twitch from all over the world and yeah. not everybody has great internet. And mm. if, if you're streaming out in a really big high bit rate and with really good quality, there are people who are just not going to be able to watch your show. No, no, no. And if you're a partner, you've got transcodes guaranteed. So people can always down, down sample and just watch a right. show with, yeah. with okay. less dense. If you're an yeah. affiliate, maybe you will, it's first come first serve basis. Mm. If you're not affiliate, and not partnered, you're just not going to get those. Right, right, if you're right. partnered, I believe you have a a customer, like a a, a support person who like uh, there's like dedicated partner yeah. support people, so you can actually yeah. get email and get some help back. Mm. Uh, more more emotes, more support. I think you're more likely to get on things like the front page. So yeah. if you're a partner, you're more likely to be able to get more viewers mm. because you're. You're, you're on the front page. There's a yeah. chance that people see you and yeah. click on you. Yeah. 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 Um, but also I kind of think it's a little bit of tricky. Uh, some people work really hard to get partner and then they stop working hard. And then basically being partners don't really do much for them. No. Um, they think that being a partner in and of itself is the goal. Whereas yeah. I would say. It's giving you opportunity to then further monetize. Yes. Or, mm. or I think, I think mm. the goal would be to get to that level of numbers. And then it's like this, it's like mm. marriage. There are people who are like, if we get married, then we won't have any problems with our relationship. I was like, <laughs> no, no, that's a bad idea. Mm. Uh, you yeah. should have a good relationship. And then the marriage is like the bonus on top. Right. And so like, mm. I feel like the partnership would be the bonus on top mm. yeah. already mm. having a good stable sort of uh, situation. But again, not, not everybody's ninja. Do you know what I mean? Like that's a, that's the thing that I would say. And, and don't, Mm. don't go for that. Go for a good community, right? Mm. Build a good community, build a, and and honestly, this is, if there's one thing I want to say is whatever it is, I bet you, like I have, I have streamed some stuff. Do you know what I mean? I've, I've Mm. streamed some stuff and I still get a viewership because I have people who are interested. Look, my viewers I'm doing Coloss and they're like, did you know that this weapon came out? And like, actually right now, this is what's going on with the goal. Like I've got some big old history nerds that hang out on my channel mm. and they enjoy that. And I'm happy for yeah. it. And I've got some good horror nerds, whatever. I got people who do my stuff. I uh, want to yeah. talk about philosophy. And if you want to stream the Dallas RPG, I bet you, you can find an audience for it. Do you know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah. and I bet you'd have a easier time finding audience than somebody who's playing, mm. um, Descent into Avernus yet again. Like there are a lot mm, of those going yeah. on. Like a lot of people yeah. are saying that, like, you know, 
and and I bet Russ, your games are going to have an easier time finding your market, right? Than yet another what if everybody else is doing? Right, it, right, yeah, yeah. I I just don't think that streaming D and D is your key to being famous and successful, considering how many people are streaming D and D. I will just mm-hmm. say that whatever it is is out there. Mm-hmm. You're doing better than you think you are. Mm-hmm. Do not compare yourself to people who are, are not like you're not competing with them. No, you do you and know that you're doing better than you think you are. And that whatever, whatever weird idea you have is probably going to, if you do it well, you'll, you'll do well. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, what's so cool. This I think is pretty amazing. Selbit has more watch time than critical role for last year. Oh, the Portuguese Mm -hmm. RPG show has more watch time. Did not know. Yeah. I'm going to have to find out about the Selbit thing. I think part of that also kind of leans into the niche thing. Sort of like why, why something in a specific language because yeah. because there's mm. less competition within yeah. that particular niche yeah. you can dominate that mm-hmm. niche more easily yeah, yeah. And, and, like do, and be very 11 successful 11 million watch hours wow. versus critical roles 9 million watch yes. hours wow that is critical role has one. a has higher peak viewers right but yeah, yeah. Mm. and just the length of show compare oh. i don't know if you got that data I do have that data. I don't yeah, know that. Um, that I can data. tell you what, what the stream it? hours are, right? Yeah. I can tell you what the stream hours are. So yeah. Selbit has had two hundred did had two hundred and thirty seven stream hours last year. Yeah. And right. Critical had one eighty three. Right. Okay. So partly but, it's because they are streaming more. Although that doesn't always help. You know what I mean? No, like no. But they have like they have two point one million followers. Wow. And Critical Role has one million followers. Mm-hmm. They have double the number of followers. Their average year count is not that far off, right? So like Critical Role was fifty three last year. And Selbit is 46. Mm. Yeah. And on that note, I hate to be the person to have to call this to an end, but we've run about half an hour over, so we do have to to do that. (laughs) But to be fair, you have had us spellbound through Brush (laughs) AP. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. And I was like, there were other games. I just, I just, there were other games. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they were fine, but like, Ghostbusters. Mm. The Dallas RPG. That is a thing that existed, yes. Yeah, there were like <laughs> other games and like nobody seems to talk about them. <laughs> I have the Dallas RPG. I'm going to run it. Do you know I'm going to see if I can find it on eBay. I think I need a copy of this thing. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah.